Blog Talk Radio.
Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you and we trust you. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you with all of our heart. We love you and we confirm it by with the power, the life and death and the power of the tongue. We confess it before you and we ask you to fill us with more love for you, more dedication to you, more desire to please you, more desire to walk in your will, more desire to draw in closer to the secret place of the Most High. Give us the strength and the energy, Father God, and, and the prodding by the Holy Spirit to wake up a little bit early and if we're tossing and turning in our bed because of whatever reason. That's probably some a lack of trust to some degree that we should have had in you and we're overwhelmed by the circumstances that we're dealing with in our lives. Father, we just pray that you will forgive us for that and we ask you for your grace to be amplified in our lives, to just pour out upon us and to ch- change us, to touch us, to fill us with faith, to fill us with trust. We need all these things right now, Father, more than ever before. You know that, and, and, and we seek it from you with a, in the form of an anointing that is, uh, you know, just, it just overwhelms us. I've seen the changes in my life. I'm definitely not arrived. I'm struggling still with a lot of things, but I think we all are as the, uh, the temperament of, of the uh, end-time situation across the world continues to increase. But at the same time, we are... Also, praise Jesus, burdened a little bit with uh, the slowness, the the kind of death by 10,000 cuts dynamic that is still taking place. Even as we watch uh, stuff unfold around the world, uh, we're still here. Uh, we know that t- things could change rapidly. We want to increase our the strength and our ability to pray fervently and appropriately to be able to tackle down the demons of darkness that would hinder our prayers uh, and to be even more ready at, to and and. 
able to pray in such a manner that it would help us to overcome the things that are part of our flesh and our, our natural nature tendencies uh, so that we can walk in the presence of your spirit, walk in in all of the promises that are associated with fully trusting you, and make that a part of our life so that we don't have to be concerned, we don't have to worry, we don't have to participate in the negativity that is out there, uh, and realize that all these things that are happening are for your glory and ultimately for our glory in the sense that it brings us ever so much more closer to our departure and the pre- and being transformed in the presence of our Lord Jesus. Father, we just pray that your love will overflow in our hearts. Our love for you will overflow in our hearts. Our love for Jesus will overflow in our hearts, and it will result in a net new person, a better person than we all are at this time. We need an abundance of that love to overflow within us so that it will transform into a complete surrender and absolute trust so we are able to serve you in a in a much more uh, free, joyful way than than what we have been able to maybe thus far. And we, and we just praise your holy name for the opportunity that you have allowed us uh, to continue to do your work uh, on this program. And uh, we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that those dynamics won't change and that you will afford us extra protection from the angels, from heaven's power, heaven's resources, and, and uh, like never before, and also to just touch people out there as they are suffering through their various um, trials and tribulations, their family issues or whatever it is that is uh, their work issues or whatever it is that is uh, uh, weighing heavily upon their ability to um, live in that joy that you have promised us uh, as a result of us unifying with you and our Lord throughout the day in prayer and praise and, and constant gratitude for, uh, you know, and giving thanks and thanksgiving uh, all throughout the day that it would draw us in closer and that we would understand that when we have peace and trust in you that we are richly intertwined intertwined with the kingdom and that the more that we lean on you in confident dependence the less fearful that we will be and the more our hearts will be steadfastly trusting in you and we will benefit because we will not be afraid of bad news as it says in, in the scripture father god he will not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God. Let your glory be made manifest in our works from now through your love to touch the people that you need us to touch, that you will be glorified, Father God, and our Lord Jesus will be lifted up and exalted on high. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen.
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, a few uh, programs ago, I had asked, I had made mention of the fact that we had done, um, you know, a prayer vigil. We, I don't I don't remember how long ago, but it was, a, you know, a number of shows ago, quite a, quite a while, I guess, uh, that uh, addressed the how Satan stops our prayers combat in the heavenly realm is the actual name of the white paper. But I named this show more appropriately combat in the spiritual realm, which is a more accurate um, nomenclature for uh I just dislike powerfully dislike the concept or or the 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 tendency of uh of churchianity to call the demonic realm uh the heavenly realm i i just it's incorrect <laughs> okay it's just incorrect there's nothing there's nothing heavenly about it okay praise god it's a stinky horrible ugly place that even the angels themselves absolutely abhor i mean they oh gosh they horribly hate to have to even venture through it all right praise god and we're going to learn about that tonight because you know what um we're coming upon a it isn't like we haven't been at this time but we are certainly, uh, as we progress further and further into the depth of the end times, um, the, the the information that we're going to talk about tonight, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the white paper um, as it was given to John Melindy, and I'm going to comment on it. And the reason why I, you know, I feel in my heart that the commentary is, is important, um, as opposed to just hearing it read to you, is because I've probably read this white paper something to the, you know, maybe about 10 to 20 times, uh, many, many times of which were during programs and shows where I was uh, amplifying and leaning on, underscoring, bolding key points that are woven throughout it, because it's not altogether unlike reading the Bible where you read uh, a, a series of scriptures you know, bunches of times, and every time you read it, you see something else. You see something else. You know, and plus, <clears throat> plus, there's the other dynamic. As you learn things, you are in a different place. Okay, so your foundations are different. Okay, and when your foundations are more um, better, when they're better educated, uh, when you have a broader uh, understanding of the scriptures and you know a, a spiritual, if you will, discernment of them and how they intertwine harmoniously. How many of them are talking about eternity? How many of them are talking about heaven and are actually juxtaposing or or basically stating in, in in so many words i don't know what the right you know what you know what the right term would be for it but basically there are scriptures that are talking about 
about you know all sorts of different things that we 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 tend to crush them all down and say well that's got to be this and that's got to be that no it doesn't have to be a lot of times the scriptures are talking about and uh, something that's happening in eternity sometimes it's talking about uh that we are actually operating in heaven uh in this you know uh, in actual in heaven in the courts of heaven uh while we're here on the earth so there you know hebrews 12:22 is is a classic example where um it's talking about how we are essentially operating uh, in heaven, okay, as we pray here on earth. And I, the list just goes on and on. I mean, it, it, you know, you really do have to – the Lord told me I had to dump everything that I ever learned in, uh, you know, 40-plus years of churchianity, assembly of God, Pentecostal, non-denominational, tongue-speaking, churchianity, demon-chasing, the whole thing. I had to dump it all. Because I told him, I, I said, I, I realized the gravity of what it was that I was doing with the program. Um, I know my scriptures really well. Most, I, Unfortunately, it seems like a lot of my fellow brothers and sisters out there that have YouTube channels and things don't seem to understand a lot that they ought to because some of the things they're saying are, well, they're they're in danger. And, um, and they're endangering other people by saying those things because they don't understand some of the foundations. You know, for example, you know, where, where it says in the book of James, you know, I would not want for many of you to become teachers because don't you know that we receive a stricter punishment? You know, uh, and it's fascinating too because we'll make up notions in our heads. You know, I've had conversations with people that have microphones and are on podcasts and I'm saying, well, bro, you know, you are uh, a teacher. And they'll say to me, oh, no, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this podcast. And I'm like, no, you're a teacher. You know, when you, the problem is, you know, we just, I don't know, we, we got, we're humans and we, we don't think very clearly sometimes. We don't think with, um, I don't know, I don't know why people do what they do and think what they think. But, but yes, you know, when you pick up a microphone, when you pick up a YouTube channel, when you're saying things on Facebook or whatever, and you're telling people that, you know, you're quoting a whole bunch of scriptures and saying this means this and that means that, you are acting in the capacity of a teacher at that moment in time. And, of course, that means that all the rules in the Bible and all, all the stuff that, you know, is in there in regarding to doing that, like not tripping up your, your fellow brothers and sisters and things like that, you know, it's, it's applicable to you. So, so, but a lot of folks don't really get that stuff. Um, and, it, you know, but anyway, long story short, the Lord, you know, I, I realized the gravity of what it was I was doing. I realized that, that you know, the Lord was leading me in this pathway to deal with with, um, you know, very, very advanced subjects, uh, focusing so deeply on the mysteries of the Bible. And I just, I I started to fear God, you know, I feared him already, but I mean, it was like more than just, you know, I was like freaking out. And, um, uh, and I walked, walked outside and I stood out in the backyard by the pool and I was in tears and I looked up into the sky and I just said, father, I can't keep on doing this. You know, I just, I'm not qualified. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel, you know, it's just too, the, the, the magnitude, the, the, you know, I realized how critical it was and how people's eternities would be affected by potentially things that I was saying. And it was weighing very heavily on my heart. And I told the Lord, you know, I was, and I was in tears, and the Lord, I could hear him. I mean, it wasn't an audible, but boy, it was definitely the Lord. And he said to me, uh, you know, you're going to have to flush everything that you've learned. You're going to have to get rid of it all. 
Everything that you've learned since you were nine years old, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, spent all those years, years after year after year, after, all that stuff, you're going to have to toss it because he needed to retrain me from scratch, and I needed to be able to look at the Scriptures with a completely clean set of eyes uh, and no longer, you know, uh, um, leverage the foundations of teachings that were taught to me. Uh, And I could list, I mean, my goodness gracious, I, you know, the amount of uh, DVD sets that I bought uh, from various teachers and preachers, the amount of books that I've read from various teachers and preachers, the amount of seminars that I took, and all you know, it was it was a lot. It was uh, thousands upon thousands of dollars and hundreds upon hundreds of hours, and and to you know really ultimately to come to the realization that I was taught wrong. Okay, and then um, and so I had to be retaught again, which is fine. Uh, that that's where God had to bring me, and it gave me a little bit of confidence having that th- that that you know event occur in my life because I really was at a point where I just didn't feel good about continuing. Uh, and the Lord put my mind, my heart at ease. Uh, it, I, I, by no stretch of the imagination have I had even close to a perfect walk. And in fact, I'm about 98%, if not more percent sure, that many of the things, if not all of the things that I did go through, although, you know, you can look at it through negative eyes or you can look at it through positive eyes. If, you, if I look at it through negative eyes, I would say, you know, um, I screwed up. I would feel terribly guilty. I would feel like I was unworthy. I would feel like I should, you know, I, you know, cause you, and, um, and, you know, and I had to, I had, I had to constantly refrain my, the way I looked at things. I had to wait a while. I had to continue praying. I had to have my times with the Lord where I would get up from my knees and in, in, in the dark in my, in my bedroom, you know, pr- from prayer and just literally say, I won't quit. I won't quit. And I mean, you know, just, oh, it was just, I was wrestling, you know, with, you know, with, with, with the Lord, you know, in, in my own sort of way. And anyway, it's, it's been a long, arduous, very difficult journey. You know, narrow is a path, difficult as way. And boy, let me tell you, that's the understatement of a, of a millennium. And, um, uh, you know, but I can also look back and praise God, even though I know that, you know, in my journey, because of my lack of walking perfectly and having, you know, the, the emotional, uh, makeup that the Lord has, we'll just say, blessed me with, um, that, you know, that has also been, um, a problem for me. Uh, and cause, you know, when we are emotionally, when we're made, when, when we're very emotionally driven individuals and we're HSPs, highly sensitive people, if you want to use that term, we struggle, you know, we, we struggle we we struggle a lot and we think that our behavior and our frustrations and the way that we're feeling and our pouting and our uh and our depression and our frustrations and everything that overwhelm us we think in our hearts oh well it's just a me thing and and you, you will even say to the lord you know now father you know that, that this has nothing to do with us it's me i'm struggling with this you know but the the problem is you know it still counts against us in the sense that um you know we have 
have to walk the opposite of what the Israelites did in order to benefit fully from the Lord's promise. Again, and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel, Psalm 78:41. That is a very, very, very important lesson to learn. We, we, that's why we have to really put an effort forth for the renewing of our mind. We've got to be praying for ourselves. Physician, heal thyself. If you have a sick doctor, you don't want him, you know, making you sick, right? So, um, you know, the, the, you know, these. I've seen the, the uh, memes out there and stuff that have a person sitting there praying, and it says, you know, if you pray for other people fervently enough, you never have to pray for yourself. And I'm like, that's a bunch of bunk, uh, which it is. Um, we, we got to get ourselves right with the Lord first, so that we're able to appropriately help other people. And if it wasn't for all the crummy things that I've had to go through since the uh, beginning of 2018, roughly end of 2017, um, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have the perspective that I have right now, and I wouldn't be able to talk to people and help them uh, and witness to them uh, the way that I can right now. I wouldn't have been, been able to learn a lot of the things that the Lord wanted to show me and teach me through the Word and given me special scriptures that made me go, wait a minute, what's that? Wow, what, you know, and really question and dig deeper, because if it wasn't for that very challenging journey that I have gone through, particularly in the last several years, um, it, you know, I wouldn't have come to the place that I'm at right now, which is better. I'm better armed, better, more knowledgeable and, and more experienced uh, in the walk uh, in a way that I had never been before. And that helps to qualify me a little bit better to be able to help people that are struggling, that are going through times, having doubts over their whether or not they're going to make it. You know, they maybe they want to make the barley harvest, but they say to themselves or they think in their hearts that there's just no way they could ever possibly make it. I've heard these stories time and time and time again, and it's all demonic. It's it's fiery darts that are being shot at us. The second we let our guard down, it is the second, it is that moment in time that we will be swarmed by the and we will start to have, <clears throat> excuse me again, thoughts coming into our head that will disable us, which is, of course, uh, Satan's most important. Hold on. Sorry, I had to hit the um a sneeze button or the mute. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's that's the goal of Satan. Satan's goal is to disable us. To help uh, to put us in a position, no matter how he accomplishes it, is it's irrelevant to him. He does not care. But one way or the other, there are probably a hundred, two hundred things that Satan does not want us to know about ourselves as Christians. And there's a really, really, really good reason for that. When we know what he doesn't want us to know, then we are able to really stand up against him. We are able to become a formidable enemy of him and his mission. We are able to spank the demons. We are able to launch holy fire against them, screaming in pain and agony. Second order demons, principalities, and powers were able to do amazing things that Satan absolutely hates. And, oh, I'll tell you one thing that he hates even more. <clears throat> He hates this particular radio show because this particular radio show is going to talk about how in the spiritual realm, in the demonic realm that is also referred to as the air, uh, it's like I, I like to tell people it's kind of like, you know, to use the analogy of like a malted milk ball and the chocolate is like the air or the spiritual realm where the demons reside. This is also the area where the angel that was sent down to Daniel during the... 21-day fasting period was stopped, 
and had to wait for help. I believe it was Gabriel that was sent down to help him break free of the Prince of Persia. Now, you know, you might say, well, hey, that's just kind of like a little Bible story and very interesting and all that kind of stuff. But when you realize that that little section of Scripture is arguably one of the most important portions of the Bible that we we need to really deeply, 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 deeply understand, okay, as much as we possibly can. And that's, what, that's part of what we're going to be talking about tonight, because what this does is this makes us, you know, so if you're a pretty darn good Christian, and you're praying fervently, and you're spending time alone with the Lord, you're spending a lot of time in praise, you, you, you're you coming to a place in your walk where you're trusting God more, you're surrendering to Him, you're in a very uh, difficult, if not awful or horrible situation, perhaps, in your life, uh, but you're learning because, well, you don't have any other choice, and God wants to bring you there. That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be in a place where you have no other choice. And you might say, well, hey, that kind of seems mean, and why would God do that? No, it's a great thing. It's a fantastic thing because when God brings you to a place where you have no other place to turn, which is where he's going to bring the multitudes of the world eventually through his judgments. Okay, uh, you know, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 26, verse 9, I believe it is, where it says uh, something along the line. When, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. There's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, right? So, but... For us to be able to get a bit of a head start on this is a wonderful thing, especially if we learn that, and we need to know this is a prerequisite, that any of these things that we would learn to do and do as part of our walk are things that are rewardable, okay? So these are things that would mount, you know, these would mount up, these would increase in your rewards package in heaven, your inheritance package in heaven, the size of your mansion, or, you know, are you going to be in one of those apartments, or are you going to be in, uh, you know, a nice, beautiful Thomas Kincaid, kind of like beautiful mansion in the middle of, you know, just this gorgeous horse with flowers everywhere and all that kind of, or are you going to have a city mansion? You know, are you going to end up with a city mansion and a country mansion? Here's the key. You've got to understand that if you don't pray fervently for God to fill you, first off, that you would fall in love with him. And this should be a daily part of your prayer. You must pray that you say, Father, I don't love you as much as I need to. I know I need to love you more than I do. Admit it to him. He wants you to, to, to do that. It, it, it is an act of power. It is an act of surrender. It is an act of having a contrite spirit. It is all the things that God loves in us, when we come to him and we say, admit that we are not adequate, okay, he doesn't like people who are presumptuous in their salvation. He wants us to be the tax collector in the parable, the tax collector and the Pharisee. That's who he rewards. He wants us to be the Beatitudes, to live it, to become it. To be humble, to be contrite, uh, and um, and 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 in order to get to that place, you have to start at the foundations, and the foundations are falling in love with our heavenly Father. You will never have godly sorrow if you don't fall in love with our Father. When you fall in love, deeply in love with your Father, then when you are outside of His will, you feel bad. 
you feel really bad. You'll cry about it. You, you, you know, you're, you know, and, and it says, you know, godly sorrow brings about repentance in so many words. And that and that's a fact, even if it's something that you're struggling with, it's habitual or whatever the case is, and you're goofing up regularly, um, you stick with it. But you you got to have your foundations. You got to fall in love with Jesus. You got to utterly fall in love with our father. And that's got to overwhelm you. That You've got to also pray, Father, not only do I need you to help me to fall more deeply in love with you, way more deeply in love with Jesus, sing to Jesus. I love to sing, like I, I started telling people recently, um, you know, the refrain from uh, the wind beneath my wings. I, I, when I get on my knees in the early morning, I, you know, anoint myself with oil and I will sing that to Jesus. Personally, I will say, do you, you know, I don't want to do it now because I'll cry and I don't want to cry right now. But, you know, did you ever know that you're my hero and such like that? Anyway, so um, but it's all I, I want to share these things with you because they're foundational. And why are they so important? Well, because if you know how to fight in the in the spiritual realm against the demons if you know how to pray you can change um your life you can make you can give yourself great advantage you can get lots of more rewards in heaven you can get maybe even a city mansion and a country mansion which would be really cool right amen who wouldn't want to have a city mansion where you're able to sit out on the back terrace and see the throne of god uh, i mean that's just too cool for words i'm sorry but i sign me up hallelujah but here's the thing if you're not if every single thing that you do for god or for all the people out there that are hurting, if it doesn't come from love, the love of Jesus in your heart, then it profits you nothing, as Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 13. When, he, when Paul said it profits you nothing, he was simply saying you can give your body to be burned, you can all that kind of stuff, but, but you know, um, if it's not out of love, it profits you nothing. That was his way of pointing out explicitly that it you've got everything has got to operate out of the love of your love of God and your love of Jesus and the love that flows from them as you fall in love with them, their love flows into you and then you start to operate in that love and that love becomes the driving force behind all of your behaviors. Your your how how much joy you get in your heart by filling somebody's gas tank. I've you know I've been very blessed to, to have the Lord allow me to do that a couple of times. Um, it's it's a blessing and it's I, the the amazing things. I mean that that but it's got to be founded in love. Everything's got to come from love. And so why bother to teach somebody how to fight with Satan? Why bother to teach somebody how to earn? rewards and inheritance in heaven. Why bother to do any of that if I don't first make it exceedingly clear that if you're not praying very, very fervently in tears to God to fill you and and help you to fall in love with him, confess to him that you don't love him as you ought. You are in violation. We are all automatically in violation, which is a sin, of the first and greatest commandment of all, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. And anybody out there in this audience that says that the, that you're meeting that requirement right now, you better take a second look. 
okay? Because I really don't think any of us, including me, has arrived in that place. I think it's a journey, and I think it requires continuous prayer, continuous confession, continuous. you got to learn to become that love and to allow it to overflow in you. And you'll start to see those changes taking place. You'll start to see your behaviors changing. And you'll know that it's coming from the love of Jesus because there's no way if it was coming from the flesh that you would, you know, because you wouldn't do it. I mean, if you were just thinking in terms of the flesh and like everybody else thinks uh, that, are, that aren't born again, uh, well, are you going to fill somebody's gas tank up? No, you're going to say, you big dumb punk, get out of the way. You know, I need to use that, 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 that gas, you know, thing and whatever. You know, that's how fleshy, mean people think. We don't think like that. It's part of a transition. It's part of our sanctification process. But if you don't understand what it is you need to get in order first, and that that is love. It's falling in love with our Father, admitting to Him that you don't love Him enough, asking Him for help, saying the same thing to Jesus, singing songs to Jesus, spending time, taking communion, really being intimate with Him, spending more time in prayer in the secret place of the Most High. Hallelujah. Praising Him all throughout the day. Constantly, I got myself my little gratitude rock, you know, and it's got, and, 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 and it reminds me throughout the day. I see it sitting there in front of my laptop, and I pick it up, and I just stop. And it's like, Father, I just praise you. I thank you, Lord. I'm, you know, I apologize to you. I owe you an apology. I got worried, you know, I started to freak out a little bit, you know, and I wasn't trusting you and I need more help, you know, with, with in trusting you. And, and, and we, this is a constant transition for us. Okay. It, it never ends and it will hopefully continue to increase in each of us up until the point that I hope with all of my heart and pray for every one of you that we all ultimately depart together in the barley harvest. All right. Amen. Because who wants to be here for the day of the Lord when 22 million people are going to get wiped out by a mega tsunami on the east coast of the United States, Babylon the Great. Okay. And by the way, that's not just one tsunami now. That's just one viewpoint of a mega tsunami. And a mega earthquake that takes place across the entire world. There really are going to be when it says it rains in, on the just and the unjust. You have to you have to really the conclusion that any thinking person would have is once even Rodriguez meteor hits off the coast of Puerto Rico and that double mega tsunami hits the east coast of the United States and the whole world shakes and you realize how massively impactful that's going to be on a global level. Millions, maybe even billions of people are going to die. And in that number of people, how many of them do you believe might be really good Christians? I think it's going to be millions on a global level. But there will be those, you know, through for whatever reason, I don't understand it. And quite frankly, I don't plan on being here, so I don't dwell on it an awful lot. But there will be those. Sarah Manet saw them in her vision, which was in, still in my heart. It's the most trustworthy and detailed a biblical end times timeline vision ever given to anybody in the history of the world. Okay, that's just my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. All right. Now, anyway, all that being said... Before we progress into that part of the program, I just wanted to lay down that foundation. It you this is so oh my goodness is it important. I cannot impress, I cannot communicate. There aren't words that are strong enough. There's no way that I can adequately communicate the criticality 
of these foundations, the love foundation that has to be a part of how you feel about our Father, why you feel that way about him, why you have that intimate relationship of uh, intense love with Jesus, uh, you know, and then how it sanctifies you even further in your walk and overflows, that love will overflow over time into you. And that transition is a big, big part of the wise virgins and their having extra oil in their vessels. So much so that the foolish virgins were like, hey, hey, you know, how do we, you know, and and they had to send them away to go get more. Well, that's that's um, a metaphor for the fact that if you're not in the transition process now, If you're not praying to the Father, please, Father, help me to fall in love with you. Please fill me with your love. Lord Jesus, I need to absolutely be gushing, falling just uncontrollably in love with you. And I need that love to overflow my cup and fill me so that I touch other people's lives the way that you want me to, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, John 14, 12, 13, and 14, praise God. All right, now when you get these things and you get those foundations underway, okay, so I, I call it getting it, getting yourself up to flight altitude. In the meantime, you're just trying to taxi down the runway, trying to get your engines going, you know, but eventually you'll get yourself up to a point which I would call flight altitude where you can really feel the intensity of your the, your love for our Father God, your love for Jesus and the intimacy that comes along with it, and then you will also be able to perceive little by little the changes in you that will cause you to do, you'll feel things. I mean, you'll you'll feel things. You'll see people on the side of the road. You'll see homeless people. You'll no longer, you'll never have, you know, that thing that people do in their cars are like, oh, look at that homeless guy, boy. That sure looks like a new pair of sneakers to me. He's some kind of a, a fraud, a fake. And look, he's got his own cell phone and blah, 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 blah. All those thoughts, they, they won't enter your head no more. Oh, I don't want to give that person any money. He's just going to go spend it on whiskey. You know, those are demonic thoughts. Those are demonic thoughts. And the vast majority of Christianity is absolutely gushing with demons. They have more demons inside of them than any other group in the entire world. As I've told told folks on many occasions, uh, you know, when I was uh, – I don't want to say studying under Bob Larson, but I went to his seminar. I got some of his books. I don't agree with everything that he he does and thinks. Uh, that's okay. That's it between him and the Lord. Uh, but um, but you know he he would tell people uh, in, you know uh, uh, you know hey I I go into all these different churches. It's a big part of my ministry, and I, every single church that I walk into, I walk in between the pews. And when he walks in between the pews with his Bible in his hand, invariably, as he's walking in between the pews, one of the people in the church, or sometimes a multitude of different people in the church, but it depends, you know, uh, will their head will snap back and they'll start growling like a demon, you know, that kind of stuff. And then he knows that person's full of demons, and he'll grab that person, take him up to the front of the church. And he will cast the demons out. And then he actually travels around the world and actually and he teaches uh, churches in many different countries about how to do all that, which is great. I think that's a wonderful part of his ministry. I get my hat to him for doing that. All right. Now, anyway, praise God. So, uh, again, I, I had to take that extra chunk of time for tonight's program to lay the foundations of love for you because – I don't want – what a travesty. Can you imagine what a travesty it would be to put into effect into your life things that 
they should result in fantastic rewards in heaven for you. They should result in amazing changes in your eternity, where you land, uh, where you, uh, and when I say where you land, where you land in the in the hierarchy, the kingdom, the ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. That's a hierarchy, okay? And what do I mean by that? Well, there's, you know, you're not going to be above the four and twenty elders, right? So they're up higher on the org chart than you are, you know. So where you land and how much you inherit. Now, I, now pe- people will hypothesize about what you're inheriting, okay, inheritance and rewards. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I have my own opinion, and my my opinion is this. If we're going to rule and reign with Jesus over all of creation, which we will, and it's going to be for all of eternity, which it will be, and um, and uh, and and all of creation includes, you know, what? Trillions of galaxies, trillions of life forms, multiple universes, how many dimensions? That's a lot of real estate. And if we're going to be ruling and reigning over that with Jesus, then inheritance has to be, this is my personal posit, inheritance has to be the part of the universes that you are given dominion over. Okay, but you're still answering to Jesus. So don't, you know, but but see Jesus isn't going to promote into a position of power somebody who lacks love. Okay? He he's not going to deal with another saint. Okay? So we're going through the beatings and the, and the transitions and the things that we're going through for a really 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 good reason. We have to be beaten down. We have to become humble and contrite. We have to know that we're not worthy. We have to fall in love with Jesus. God, our Father, in our Lord Jesus, have to know beyond any shadow of a doubt, no question whatsoever, that we are of the mindset and the heart set. Our spirit, heart, soul, everything about us is humble, contrite, loving, merciful. We have to be all those things in order to be given dominion over any part of the universe as part of ruling and reigning with Jesus. Because he doesn't want mean minor gods out there doing mean things to the people and the civilizations that are on the quadrillions of planets that are out there. All right, so all that being said, that's my own personal hypothesis. Or you could call it a theory. I feel very strongly that it is most likely accurate, given what's out there and knowing that God is the creator of creation and all of that. And so what, I mean, we're certainly not going to rule and reign over a squirrel in heaven and all stand on golden streets and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to run up the tree and come back down again. You know, that's just absolutely silly. So when you look at creation and you consider all of these things and you understand the Luciferian rebellion and how that all went down and all that, and you put it all together, the only thing that makes sense is, for me anyway, is what I just shared with you. Praise God. But what a travesty indeed would it be if you really put effort into your walk, which we all need to, especially now, because we, I think that I think that everybody's deep. I don't. I can't imagine why anybody would want to be here for the stuff that's coming after the barley harvest. And it's it's it, boy, is it going to be bad? It's going to be real, real bad. And what's really fascinating is uh, that's just middle bad. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so so after the barley harvest things are going to get really 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 unbelievably horrible on the earth, way beyond what we've even what 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 we we can imagine. 
that's when they're going to kick the FEMA camps into full full gear. That's when they're going to be slaughtering people. That's when they're going to be handing out the real mark of the beast. That's when they're going to be torturing Christians to death. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be really, really doggone bad. And anybody who says, oh, I, you know, and speaks with a, you know, false bravado, well, I feel that the Lord's leading me into that time. That's the time I feel God has chosen me. And I'm like, what? Then why did God call the ones who don't make the barley harvest the foolish virgins? If I don't want to be called foolish by the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't. Okay, praise God, and I hope that you don't either. All right, but anyway, I wanted to lay down the love foundation and why that is so it's a, it, there is nothing more important in your walk than that. That's as simple as I can make it. There is nothing more important in your walk in Christ than what I just shared with you. If you're in violation of the most important commandment of all, where does that put you? Hmm. Just think about that a little bit. We... Jesus needs to be our first love. Our Father, and of course, Jesus and our Father are one, John 10.30, but we really got to put a lot of effort into that. And and then the transitions continue to go for, for more and more. And like right now, I'm really desperately trying, and I know a lot of people are, to get myself to a place where, and I have no reason, I have no excuse, except my own weaknesses as a human being, to not totally trust God. When I look back on my past, all the times that God has rescued me, all the things, that, all the miracle situations that have occurred in my life, you know, over 60 years, when I look at it, I have absolutely zero reason to not totally trust God. And, I, you know, and I, I know one of the reasons why I struggle, and, and that's because I'm aware of what can happen, and it can happen because God wanted it to happen. And it's ugly, and I don't want to go through it. I've already been through a lot, and I and I know how ugly it was to go through that or those many things, and I don't want to have to go through those ugly things or more ugly things. You know what I mean? There comes a point where, you, you know, you really just <laughs> – you don't want to go through it anymore. Okay, so anyway, and I know it might be part of my journey, and I know I got to grow up and become a good Christian, and I know I got to I, I got to learn to take take it, you know, really difficult life dynamics with grace, and um, uh, I get it. It doesn't mean that I want to do it. Okay, let me give you an example. Like I mentioned before, when Jesus tells us not to worry, he says, you know, he says everything except a dwelling place. I'll give you clothes. I'll give you food. Don't really care much for the sparrow analogy. God loves you more than many sparrows. I'm like, well, I sure hope so. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, and uh, thank you, Jesus. I always, I always enjoy when somebody came comes back from heaven and gives a testimony and says how Jesus has a, a sense of humor, a, gr- a really great sense of humor, by the way. And I, I'm very, I'm, I always take peace from that because I'm always kind of tongue in cheek, kind of joking around, kind of thing, you know, because. I, it, I mean, really, when you think about it, I would, you know, being compared to a group of sparrows, (laughs) and, you know, the thing about it is um, Jesus, when he told us not to worry, he never said a dwelling place, never said a home. So the home that you're in that you might feel fantastically comfortable in could be taken away from you in a snap, and it may be where God wants to bring you. 
And that scares me a little bit because I am comfortable. I'm old. I, I, I know why my sister, who's almost, you know entering into her 80s, I know why she doesn't want to go through hard times. Because when you get older, your knees start to hurt. She's had surgeries. She doesn't get around as well as she used to get around. And, you know, to her, you know, the idea of uh, ISIS popping in the front door of her house and cutting off her husband's head in front of her is not exactly what she wants to go through. And I can sort of relate to that. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's similar. I think we all have things in our lives that we would rather not have to have to go through them or not. And I know that it rains on the just and the unjust, and I know that our Father will bring us through the refiner's fire, and I know that if we have to go through the refiner's fire, it's for a good reason, but it doesn't mean that you want to do it. Who wants to get beaten up? Who wants to be beaten to a fruit-juicy pulp? Who wants to go through you know, some of those things? I, I won't get into all of the things that it could you – know, because we don't know. At the end of the day, we don't know. And I, and I do believe with all of my heart that you – Assuming that you have arrived at any point in your walk that is a good place, I believe is a mistake. You know, again, it it falls back to the scripture about presumptuous sins. Okay, we don't want to have or be guilty of presumptuous sins because those are an special affront to our Father. Okay, He doesn't like that. Presumptuous sins are being like the you know, in the parable of the tax collector and the, and the Pharisee, it's like the Pharisee had presumptuous sin. He was raising his hands up to God and say, praise you, Lord God, for I, I am going to come to heaven and I'm, you know, I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other thing. And Jesus points over and shows, and he says, no, you need to be like the tax collector. And he's sitting there renting his robe. He's hanging his head down. There's tears coming out of his eyes. And he's like, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. And and Jesus is like, you need to be like the tax collector. <clears throat> you don't get taught these things in churchianity. I'm going to tell you that right now. But you're going to get taught them here. Praise God, because i got a job to do, and I'm going to do it. And, you know, and if the Lord, if I drop over dead tomorrow, hallelujah. <laughs> okay? But I, I have a feeling it's not going to be that way. I don't know what's going to happen, and, and I don't think any of us know. But I, but, but I, anyway, so praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's all be grateful that we are going to be able to learn the things that we're going to learn tonight. As we talk about this particular white paper, uh, I will share with you as much extra stuff as I possibly can uh, to, to take you to the next level. So I, I, it's not about getting you to where the white paper, you know, the, how Satan stops our prayer combat in the heavenly realm is what it's called. I, but anyway, it's not to bring you to that place. My goal is to bring you many levels above that place. The way that I hope to be able to do that, you know, God's will be done is to share with you things that I've learned, things that I've seen, testimonies that I've heard, all that kind of stuff, over you know probably about 5,000 radio shows and 12, approaching 12 years of doing this stuff. That's my goal. That's my hope. Praise God. But the Love Foundation is absolutely mandatory. And it does not happen automatically. It doesn't. It requires a lot of prayer a lot of dedication, and a lot of changing of your tactics, you know? 
Um, and anyway, so uh, I hope you have that embedded in your heart and you understand it because I surely would – I'd feel pretty bummed out and sad if I failed to communicate that adequately and people learned to do things in stuff and they started to do them, but it did not result in the – in the rewards and inheritance that I pray in Jesus' name that we all qualify for. Um, it's not about being perfect. It's about knowing that you're not perfect. I know. Everything's a paradox. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, kids, are you ready for some jokes? All right. Praise Jesus. Kids, what did the banana say to the dog? Think hard. What did the banana say to the dog? Nothing. Bananas can't talk. <laughs> Come on, kids. We're all right. That's right. That's a funny one, kids. And don't you forget it. All right. Praise Jesus. Kids, what was the first animal in space? The cow that jumped over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> you know the cat. You know. You, you, you know. Okay. All right. We got. It. All right. Yahoo. Praise Jesus. All right. One more, kids. All right, kids. Why don't elephants chew gum? Why don't elephants chew gum? They do, just not in public. <laughs> I don't think that's ever. I, I don't know. What? Yeah. I'm with you, kids. That ain't that funny. That ain't that funny. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But that's okay. We got two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to go through the news. No surprises here. And then we're going to get into why or how Satan stops our prayers. Combat in the spiritual realm. Uh, absolutely gushing with lots of testimony, uh, lots of discoveries that the Lord brought me through uh, that I will share with you so that you can benefit as much as possible with this, uh, with this extra, you know, with this new information. That is, it's so advanced, folks. Nobody, I, I would venture to say, I could be wrong, but my best guess would be if there are, hmm, let's say, 50 million people that are pretty good Christians in the United States of Babylon the Great, maybe 49.999 million of them have never heard any of this stuff. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And on that note, we're going into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. This one is interesting and concerning. Um, but you know what? Personally, you know, I just wish the media, well, some kind of media or something big would happen quick. Uh, the sooner something really big and bad and ju God's judgment-wise happens, for me, it will be a blessing because, uh, you know, it'll, uh, you know, I, maybe I won't have to travel to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I am not looking forward to that. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. But anyway, all right, is the red wave crashing? The question is. And by the way, this is from the the uh, Blaze Media, the uh, um, uh, you know the uh, uh, Glenn Beck Group, and that changes everything. Okay, you know, if this was just a CNN report, I would be like, ah, oh, there they go again, trying to mind controls that kind of thing. But since this is coming from 
a very uh, Republican-esque right-wing sort of a group as the Blaze, it's very concerning. And the title, again, of the article is, Is the Red Wave Crashing? Question mark. Polling expert says critical, quote, warning sign is flashing again, and it's not good, and it's not good for Dems. Now, what what um, what's interesting is I don't really understand the part that it's not good for Dems. I don't understand that being in the headlines because as you read the article, what um, – let me let me read a little bit of it to you so you kind of get where I'm heading with it. It starts out and it says, as the 2022 midterm elections near, poll, polls increasingly indicate that Democrats will be more competitive than previously thought. The red tsunami, which once looked very menacing, now appears to be nothing more than a small ripple. That is very concerning. And it goes in and explains uh, about many of the polls, uh, a number of uh, election experts, uh, a lot of the uh, Democratic seats that are being won over Republican seats that people thought for sure. Like, for example, you know, uh, I, I mean, you can, I, there's a lot. Anyway, I, I'm not going to get into all of them, but I can name a couple of them. But it's irrelevant. There's a bunch. And what's happening is that um, more Democratic uh Candidates are winning than the red tidal wave people thought. And that is especially at this point, you know, here we are in September, mid-September. Um, that's not a good sign. OK, um, <clears throat> so. I was very concerned and wondering why uh, thus far a black swan event has not occurred or some sort of a false flag major, you know, event, whatever that would, you know, you know, trip off and set, you know, I, I, I figured that, you know, that they would do something pretty horrible. And, you know, but, but it looks to me almost as if they're not really all that worried about it. In other words, they're looking at the results. They're looking at what's happening. They're seeing the trending go on. They know that they own the uh, the uh, Dominion voting machines. Those things are still out there and they can crank that. They can change those numbers until, until they're blue in the face. So I think it, it gives me the impression, you know, right or wrong, it gives me the impression that the situation for the midterm elections is nowhere near as sure as a lot of people believe it is. And by the way, if you go out on Twitter and you look around and stuff, you can still see lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of, you know, quote, patriot groups and stuff. You just wait until the midterms. You just, it's, we're going to, we're coming for you and rah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I'm a citizen. My citizenship is in heaven and I don't get involved in that, but I do acknowledge it. And I, um, and all that would mean to me is if if there is not a turnaround of the power of the House and Senate to the red tidal wave that many think is going to happen, if that does not happen and the entities of darkness, the shape-shifting reptilians that are operating, the Antichrist who is, you know, manipulating the marionette strings of Biden, that – all we're going—it just means death by fifty thousand cuts. Instead of death by ten thousand cuts, now we're going to have to go through death by fifty thousand cuts. They're just going to—they're going to continue to erode. They're going to continue to push the LGBT thing. They're going to continue to do, want to do sex change operations on our, on, the, on our little children. They're going to continue to ma manipulate and do horrible satanic things uh, in the schools. It's all the things that make us nauseous and have to keep kaopectate in our back pocket just to get through the day are going to continue.
And I, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I am I'm really just not looking for, forward to that. Now, um, but I will say this: what I am looking forward to is the end times biblical timeline progressing. Okay, so anything that we have to go through that ultimately brings us closer to our departure time with Jesus, I think is a wonderful thing. Praise God! All right, so in that regard, Hallelujah! All right, so we'll just watch and pray and see see what God does because we don't. Honestly, there's nobody that does know for sure. We just don't know. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And 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 I, and the last thing I'd ever do is go out on YouTube and listen to somebody boohooing and telling telling you how much they love Jesus, and then prophesying. Oh, by the way, you're going to discover as we go into how Satan stops our prayers, you're going to discover why so many seemingly anointed Christians that obviously, as far as you can tell, love the Lord are incorrectly prophesying it is a it's just landmines out there folks and it's more dangerous now than it i have ever seen it in my life all that being said enter at your own risk and that risk could be very serious as a matter of fact there are some people that i have known over the years that have made such enormous mistakes from hanging out on youtube in their walk that i Honestly, if God didn't have mercy on them and change their hearts, they wouldn't make it into heaven. I'm pretty darn sure of that. In fact, I'm positive of it in some cases. Anyway, praise God. Just be careful out there because it is just that dangerous. Next one up. Mysterious underground sounds cause panic amongst villagers in India's Mahashrata, or uh, Mah- Maharashtra. There you go. And it says the village where the sounds have been occurring, Hasori, is 28 kil- kilometers from Kalari uh, area where a deadly earthquake claimed the 9,700 lives in 1993. And it goes on. But anyway, they're hearing these really strange, creepy uh, sounds coming out of the ground. Of course, this kind of weird stuff has been happening in India a lot. Uh, that's also where they've had some, you know, various, you know, Villages that would gather around these like holes in the earth, and they'd look down, and there would be like fire and stuff shooting around, and they'd be like, ah, and, you know, this is, you know, so whatever. Um, you know, lot, lots and lots of really creepy, satanic, evil weirdness, and it's understandable, really, when you think about it, because India is just loaded with, um, well, you know, they they have, they they worship more satanic gods than pretty much any country on the face of the earth. All right, Amen. Praise God. All right, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. India seeks to double exports to Russia with new rupee ruble exchange. And of course, you know, again, it's a, you know, it's it's the same thing that we know is already happening. BRICS is Brazil, uh, India, China. Oh, I'm sorry, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and uh, South Africa. Okay, but there's other groups that are now joining the BRICS, uh, the, the BRICS financial um, consortium, if you will. And, and it's all going uh, in accordance with, you know, Russia's it, – it's, it's so – oh, my gosh, it's so classic. It's so antichrist. It's so perfect. And people I – went, I went to the doctors Monday night. I had to go see a doctor, you know, and, and during my visit, we got to talking about the things that are happening, and she was, like, very troubled. Very, very troubled about, you know, she she said something along the lines of, do you perceive where we're at right now that we're pretty deep into the end times? And I said, oh, absolutely. And I explained to her where we were in the Bible and everything, and she seemed very troubled. And um, I kind of felt bad for her. 
Um, but I understand that transition that a lot of us have to go through. You got to go through that. Tr- it's like the five phases or whatever the stages of grief. You got to go through those different stages until you come to the point where hopefully you arrive at a place where you're actually pretty excited about it and you just want to get it over with. You know what I mean? You want to go home. All right. Praise God. But you also want to do you want to make your father happy, too, because guess why? You love him. You love your father. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Praise Jesus. Here we go. All right. Ukraine astronomers report that they have been seeing UFOs everywhere. Now, you wonder why that might be. Well, I'll tell you what my thoughts are. There's an awful lot of threatening going on over using of nuclear uh, armaments. Okay, so you've even got the Nazis in the Ukraine under the fake Jew Zelensky uh, that, uh, you know, that it's just as satanic as satanic can be. And the United States of Babylon the Great CIA and special forces teams and all kinds of uh, mercenaries and stuff are involved. It's unbelievable. It's quite sickening. And, um, and they are even – the Ukraine are even threatening to use tactical nukes, which, of course, would just open up World War III just so – it'd be wide open. Now, I, I'm not going to get into some of the things that are going on over in the Ukraine right now. We don't have enough time, and that's not the focus of the show. But the UFO thing associated with threats of nuclear weapons – now that goes together like, you know, <laughs> like a hand in a glove, if you know what I'm saying. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Children are being killed. There's an eight times increase in excess deaths amongst children in Europe since the COVID vaccine rollout, according to the official European Union data analysis. In fact, it's a shocking 691% increase. Whoa. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Heavy battle breaks out between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And um, this is like war. You know, they're, they're, they're lobbing, uh, you know, mortar shells and stuff across the border and killing people. So they, they are under – they actually call it, a, you know, that these territories – and they mentioned the names of the territories, which – who cares? Um, it's not relevant to us, and we wouldn't know where they were anyway. But um, it, it's in, And it says that they are under heavy attack, okay, and people are dying. So, again, we've got these kinds of dynamics occurring all over the world. Uh, of course, the epicenter of that sort of thing is, of course, as we all know, in the Ukraine. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Next one up. United States malls China sanctions to deter Taiwan invasion, according to Reuters. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) if that's not about as brilliant as brilliant can be, I mean, look how well it worked for Russia. Now go ahead and do it to China and see what happens. So anyway, the craziness continues. We know exactly what the we know what the uh, what the agenda is. We know that the Antichrist is manipulating and crashing the global economies. You know, because they want the Nazi forces to take over. They want to to raise Hitler up. They need their crystal mock. They need to, and by virtue of doing that, they actually bring in. You know, they they make manifest uh, the realization of the actual seals. You know, we're we're in the in, right now, the third seal. The, the the second seal, third seal, and fourth seal are all in progress right now, simultaneously. And we're right smack dab in the middle of all of that discourse. Praise God. All right. So anyway, uh, you know, 
It's exciting times to be alive. Praise Jesus. And it's good that we're still alive because that just gives us more time to seek God, fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with our Father, uh, have that love overflow in our hearts, and be able to do things for our Father uh, with with our newfound understandings. Praise Jesus. That's a really important thing for all of us. Hallelujah. All right, next one up. Freight rail strike threatens supply chains, prompting White House planning. So, again, there's um, – if you're not aware of it, there's a national railroad strike that, that is being threatened right now. The White House is trying to stop it. Um, the concern is, you know, supply chains, supply chain interruptions, uh, food, empty shelves on, uh, in grocery stores, all that kind of thing. All right. And so uh, all that stuff is still in effect. You know, there's still over like what what a hundred food processing plants and stuff that have burned to ground, burned to the ground, et cetera. So all these things are still going forward. It's just that you know the train strike would be you know adding insult to injury, as it were. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. So the author Robert uh, Ki- Ki- Kiyosaki, who is the author of the book uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, says that a historic market crash is looming. And he touts crypto as the best defense. Now, I say he's wrong about the crypto. I believe that the crypto will crash, too. I've heard way too many people putting trust in that. Forget it, man. If anybody out there who is foolish enough to think that Satan and his army of darkness don't have control over all financial systems in the world, uh, well, then you're kidding yourself, okay? So, you know, I can give you some names of people where you can go and buy some gold so you can get killed when you're silly enough to pull it out of your pocket at a 7-Eleven to buy a loaf of bread, all right? But that's okay. I'm just here just letting you know what's going to happen and what the Bible says. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Next one says, don't risk a chess game with death. Ex-Russian President Medvedev warns of doomsday for mankind if they use the Ukraine to forcefully disintegrate the nuclear nation. Now, again, um, there is a lot of very well justified threats coming out of the Soviet, uh, you know, out of Russia. Um, And um, believe me, they have every reason to be as angry as angry can be. All right. Now, all that being said, and they know that, you know, when when they go in and they take a town and, yeah, there was some small victory, but it wasn't really a Ukrainian victory. You have to understand that was a NATO victory because these are NATO soldiers. These are American special forces operations, CIA uh, operatives that are in there directing the whole – these whole operations are American operations. NATO is is an American creation. So when you understand that, basically the United States of America is is in a full-blown ground-based war with Russia. And if you think that Russia doesn't know that, oh my goodness gracious, they know. Because when they go in and they level a, a town that's full of the Azov Battalion Nazis, and they rescue all the people and get them out of there because they're being slaughtered by the Nazis, they, you know, they... Find the dead bodies of the Americans. They find the CIA agents. They find the special operations people. They see their military. I see them. You can go on a telegram and you can look and you can see them for yourself. They know who's attacking them. And it is the United States. And they're fully aware of it. And they're pretty angry. All right. So anyway, keep your eyes on things. We'll see if it makes a major turn. Praise God. Looks like it probably will. Anyway, next one up. 
New North Korea law allows for preemptive nuclear strikes. Country will automatically and immediately fire a nuke if Kim Jong-un dies in attack, in an attack. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And there's, there's a new initiative with South Korea and the United States to kind of try to put that fire out a little bit and, and, and uh, you know, quell uh, Kim Jong-un's, uh, you know, uh, automatic nuclear response plan, uh, you know, and it, it, it's a waste of time. <laughs> you know, so we're, 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 you know, stand by uh, because we are definitely on the edge of seeing the aircraft carrier get sunk in the North Korean Sea and the attack from North Korea full force against Seoul, Korea in the south. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up, according to The Hill, coming soon, America's own social credit system. The new domestic war on terror is kicked off by a riot on January 6th, which was a false flag, has prompted several web giants to unveil predecessors to what they effect, what effectively would become a social credit system here in the United States. Now, this is pretty bad because this is CCP. This is totally China. It's coming our way. It's going to happen. And guys, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to look, pull records of, you know, places that you web surf, things that you believe, all that kind of stuff. They're going to create a portfolio, a file against you, and then it's going to affect your credit rating. And that's bad stuff. I pray in Jesus' name that none of us are here for that. All right, next one up. European energy collapse could lead to a financial crisis across the globe, and you can believe that is true. So what's going on right now is while you know things appear, and boy, I lean on the word appear because it ain't what it appears, if you know what I'm saying. Things in the United States are nowhere near as fine and dandy as a lot of people think they are. Let's just leave it at that. And as I've told people many times, whatever you see happening in Europe is coming our way like a tidal wave. Okay? So... The European Union, it, when the, if the EU economy collapses, it's going to be – they call it a Lehman Brothers moment. It's going to directly affect this country. It's all petrodollar. It's all <clears throat> part of the manifestation – you know, the realization and the completion of the third seal, the global financial collapse. All right. So, um, again, these things are being called out. Uh, the, the, the market is heavily leveraged by the same stuff it was back in 2008 during the housing collapse. Um, and, it, you know, derivatives uh, through the roof that, you know, right now they're the um, trading uh, agencies are making margin calls. Get this margin calls of one point five trillion dollars. The margin calls were essentially what triggered the 1929 uh, stock market crash, which about one, two, three, four years later, can you imagine it took that long before the whole Dust Bowl and the really, really bad part, you know, with the little kids eating mud pies and all that kind of stuff and the terrible poverty and homelessness that, that just rippled across the United States. Absolutely hard for any Americans that are alive today that weren't alive during then to understand how bad it was. It was horrible. And it looks like that's heading directly <clears throat> at us at this time. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. Okay, Republican leader says uh, homes of Trump supporters may soon be raided by the FBI. So basically, if you are an outspoken Trump supporter, that's, uh, you know, someone that they can detect on their evil uh, satanic radar, uh, then uh, you can expect the FBI to pop in on you at any time. Okay, so watch out. Okay. 
Um, so anyway, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Wait. Shh. Be quiet. It might be the FBI. Shh. Oh, 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 oh. Shh. Don't make a sound. Okay, I think they went away. Okay, I think they went away. Cool. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! All right. So, next headline up. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Here we go. News, and this is out of Jerusalem, says Gantz says the, uh, that Iran has tripled the uranium enrichment capability. So a briefing at the United Nations envoy from the Security Council member states, defense minister says Iran, most destabilizing force in the Middle East, praises the United States rejection of Tehran, uh, the Tehran condition to end the IAEA investigation before signing the nuclear deal. So again, this is uh, of a great concern. And yes, they are flying practice sorties with F-35 jets into Iran to make sure that Iran's um, radar systems are not able to detect them. And so far, so good. Next one up. Germany has crossed the red line, according to Russia. There will be no more turning back after Berlin supplied arms to kill Russians, according to Moscow's envoy. Okay, Germany has crossed the red line with Russia by sending arms to the Ukraine. Uh, Moscow's ambassador in Berlin, in Berlin said on Monday. So, again, there there's not going to be any return to normalcy, and we, we kind of knew that. But anyway, uh, hallelujah is all i got to say. Let's get out of here as soon as possible. Praise God. But remember... This is a blessing. The time that we have now on the earth for for this mo- for this period, however long it'll last, it's a blessing if you use that time wisely. Hallelujah. Next one up. 15,000 Minnesota nurses wage the largest private sector nurses strike in the United States history. And by the way, it is anticipated. My ex-wife uh, is a nurse. She works in the insurance industry, and she believes that this is going to ripple across the entire country, and it's going to be really impactful. All right, next one up. Swiss social media is a buzz over the rat out your neighbor energy posters, energy use posters. So basically what they're doing is they're putting posters up all over Switzerland to encourage the kind people of Switzerland to make a phone call and rat out people who are breaking the rules and using more energy than they are allowed to. Oh my goodness, they could they didn't want to, you know, uh, you know, for example, they're prohibiting warming your house up beyond 66 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty darn cold to me. (laughs) Okay? And they have fines that go up to $3,130 per infraction and up to 180 days in prison. So they're putting up posters all over Switzerland to tell all the nice people there to be sure to rat out your neighbor. Ah, Oh, well, anyway, on that note, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We are now entering into the portion of the show that is focused on how Satan stops our prayers, combat in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And here we go.
Praise God. How Satan Stops Our Prayers, Combat in the Heavenly Realm. I don't like that word, so I'll just go ahead and call it Combat in the Spiritual Realm, the Demonic Realm. All right, praise God. So this was actually penned on the white paper by Reverend, our pastor, or whatever, John Mulindi. Uh, his testimony on uh, the International House of Praise, IHOP, you can find it on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com and type John Mulindi, M-U-L-I-N-D-E, John, J-O-H-N, Mulindi, IHOP, I-H-O-P, and hit enter. And if you listen to that testimony, it's life-changing. All right. So, and it's something that I believe that 100% of all Christians absolutely should listen to. Okay. Because it will blow your mind and you need to know it because otherwise you could be in more risk, you know, with your walk than you might realize. He he definitely was and uh, the Lord showed him things and we all need to know it. All right. Anyway, so John Melindy was given this information and he went ahead and put it pen to paper. He recorded and documented all of it. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Okay. So it starts out with quote, I would like to share with you part of a testimony of a saved person who once served the devil. When I heard him give his testimony, it so challenged me that I did not want to believe it. I had to fast before the Lord for 10 days, asking him, Lord, is this true? It was at that time the Lord began to teach me things that take place in the spiritual realm when we pray. Thank you, Jesus. He used the proper term. Hold on a second. I had to turn off this little whisper quiet fan I got right over here because it's freezing me. Okay. (laughs) All right. There we go. All right. So anyway, he goes on to say, this man was born after his parents had dedicated themselves to Lucifer. When he was still in the womb, they performed many rituals to, de- to, dedicate him, to dedicate him to the service of Lucifer, which, by the way, they do that all the time. That's pretty common practice. When he was four years old, he began to exercise his spiritual power, and his parents began to fear him. When he was six years old, his father brought him to some witches for them to train, you know, to train him. And by the time he was 10 years old, he was doing tremendous exploits for the kingdom of the devil. He was feared by the common witches. He was still a young boy, but he was so terrible in the things that he did. He grew to be a young man in his 20s with a lot of blood on his hands. He killed at will. He had the ability to leave his body through uh, transcendental meditation, and he could levitate. At times, his body would rise off the ground and hang in midair. Sometimes, he would go into a trance and leave his body. His body would remain behind while he went out into the world by a practice called astro uh, astro traveling. It's also known as astral projection. Uh, projection. <clears throat> he was used by Satan to destroy or divide many churches and to ruin many pastors. One day, he was assigned to destroy a church that was full of prayer. There had been much division in this church and much confusion. He began to work against it, but at, th- but at that time, the pastor called, for, uh, called a fast for the whole church. As the church began to fast, there was much repentance and a lot of reconciliation. 
The people came together and began to pray for the Lord to work in their midst. They continued interceding and crying out to God to have mercy on them and intervene in their lives. As the days went by, the man came again and again against the church with demonic spirits. But a word of prophecy came forth telling the Christians to rise up and wage warfare against the powers of darkness that were attacking the church. So one day, the man left his body in his room to go astro-traveling. He led a powerful force of demonic spirits against the church. Now this is his testimony. His spirit moved through the air over the church and tried to attack it, but there was a covering of light over the church. Suddenly, an army of angels attacked them and fought against them in the air. All the demons fled, but he was arrested by the angels. Yes, arrested by the angels. He found himself being held by approximately six angels. They brought him through the roof right before the church altar. He just appeared there as the people were praying. They were deep in prayer, engaged in spiritual warfare, binding and breaking and casting out. The pastor was on the platform leading the prayers and the warfare. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to the pastor. The yoke has been broken, and the victim is there before you. Help him through deliverance. As the pastor opened his eyes, he saw the young man lying there. His body was with him. He was in his body. The young man said that, uh, uh, said that he doesn't know how his body joined him. He had left it back at his house. But there he was in his body. He didn't know how he had entered it. All he knew was that the angel had carried him through the roof. Now, these things are difficult to believe. The pastor silenced the church and told them what the Lord had spoken to him and then asked the young man, who are you? The young man was trembling as the demons began coming out of him. So they prayed for his deliverance, and afterwards he began to share his story. The young man has now come to the Lord and is an evangelist preaching the gospel. He is being used by the Lord mightily in setting other people free through deliverance. One night, I, John Melindy, went to a dinner. The only reason I went was that someone had told me about this young man, and I was very curious to see him and find out if his story was true. So I attended the dinner. And in the evening, he was given the chance to give his testimony. He spoke about so many things. At times, he cried because of the things that he had done. As he finished, he made an appeal. There were many pastors in the room, and he said, I appeal to you pastors. Please teach the people how to pray. The people who don't pray can be taken in anything, in anything by the devil, and there are ways that the enemy can exploit their lives and their prayers. The enemy knows how to exploit the prayers of those who don't know how to pray. Teach the people how to use the spiritual armor that God provides. Then he shared how he led expeditions through the air, the demonic realm. He would go with other satanic agents and many demon spirits. It was as if they were working a shift in the same way that you've got to go to work and work your shift. He had regular times where he was required to go and wage war in the heavenlies, the spiritual realm. 
He said that in the spiritual realm, if the land is covered by a blanket of darkness, the blanket is so dense, it is like solid rock. And it covers the whole... By the way, you can commit these things to memory, please, because you can you can use your prayer tactics against these objects. Okay, understand that. It's very important. All right, so I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm going to expand upon this greatly as we work our way through it. So again, he said in, in the spiritual realm, the land is covered by a blanket of darkness. The blanket is so dense, it looks like solid rock. So remember that uh, uh, that there's this dark it smells really, really bad, folks. I know this because I know uh, I know a young lady who was taken through that realm by two angels, and yeah, the the angels hated it. It stinks to high heaven. It's a horrible place, and it's very black, very dark, very demonic. And up above them is this like firmament, like rock, blanket of dense satanic filth. Okay, and it covers, I'm quoting again, and it covers the whole area. The spirits are able to go on top of and below this blanket of rock, and from there influence the events that occur on earth. Okay? Um, and again, you can find this uh, paper just by typing the name uh, "How Satan Stops Our Prayers." Combat in the if you type "Combat in the Heavenly Realm," you'll find it quicker. And if you type "PDF," you'll probably find it even quicker. I recommend that you read it several times, if not five or six times. Spread the time apart too. Don't read it like back to back to back. You know, read it once, wait a month, go back and read it again. Wait a couple months to go back and read it again, because you're going to pick up new things every time you read it. All right, next, next paragraph. When the evil spirits and human satanic agents, okay, that's one of the reasons why I always, you know, when I pray, I say, uh, you know, any entity of the darkest, live or dead human spirit, you, you understand where I'm heading with this? I, I glean pieces out of this testimony, not just this testimony, but many, many others, and I use them in my spiritual warfare. And my spiritual warfare, I will tell you, is very, very effective. In fact, um, there was somebody that we had come on the show who was very blessed and anointed, and they, they went through all the iterations and things that they do in order to fight against the devil. And uh, uh, Sister Paula out in France, she said, well, gee, Johnny, I, I didn't have to go through any of that stuff. I just did what you said and put some uh, holy oil up above my door and you know pray, pray like you told me to, and my pro all my problems were gone. Very next day, gone. And I said, I know, but you know it takes time. Everybody has to go through their walk and learn things in what's known as an iterative sequence. You learn you learn a little more, and then you go back and you learn a little bit more, and you learn a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and you keep on adding to it and adding to it, and you make it better, and you make it better, and you make it better. But it takes time. Okay, so anyway, he goes, when the evil spirits and human satanic agents finish their shifts, they go down to earth at the points of covenant on water or land to refresh their spirits. How do they refresh their spirits, you say? By the sacrifices that people give at these altars. They could be sacrifices in open witchcraft. They can be sacrifices in bloodshed of all types, including abortion, warfare, and human and animal sacrifices. 
They could be sacrifices of sexual immorality, in which people practice sexual perversions of all kinds of promiscuity. Such acts strengthen these satanic powers. There are many different types of sacrifices. He said that when satanic agents are up in this, you know, demonic realm, and Christians begin to pray on earth, this is where it's getting pretty intense, so really zero in on this, and Christians begin to pray on earth, the Christians' prayers appear to them in three forms. All prayers appear like smoke that is rising toward heaven. That's where the you know, the incense uh, metaphor in the Bible comes in. Okay, so when these demons and humans that are operating in this demonic realm are there, when they're there, they look around and they can see Christians' prayers rising up kind of like incense, like a little bit of smoke, a wisp of smoke rising up toward that that firmament of the rock, that black, horrible covering. Okay? It's important to note. They go on to say, some prayers appear like smoke that drifts along and vanishes in the air. These prayers come from people who have sin in their lives, and they are not willing to deal with it. Their prayers are very weak. They're blown away, and they disappear in the air. And by the way, I will tell you that the only exception to that rule is speaking in tongues. Most Christians, most Pentecostals, most Assembly of God, most tongue-speaking Christians do not know the power that they have by that gift. They have no idea. But it is the one way that you can guarantee that your prayers are going to blow right past these demons and go straight into the throne room, even if you have sin in your life, because of what happened to me. So I'm going to go ahead and, once again, for those who haven't heard this testimony, I'm going to give it, give it again. When I was in my 20s, I was steeped in sin. I was dripping it. I was into all sorts of bad things. Anyway, it was a weekend. I was uh, I was in the Navy, and myself and three other guys got together and decided we were going to go up to, to uh, Milwaukee and party. And I do mean party, if you know what I mean. So anyway, we loaded up the car with our party goods. We had, you know... Let's put it this way. We had enough various drugs and stuff in the car that if we had gotten caught with it, we would have probably all spent the better part of about 20 years in jail. All right. So what happened was we were driving the car north, and when we got to Kenosha, Wisconsin, we just decided we wanted to pull over, take a break, and kind of hang out and listen to music and, you know, party. So, because we were so, you know, uh, intellectually gifted, tongue-in-cheek, dumb as a box of dumb rocks, 
we saw this road that was went down off of the main drag uh, to this, uh, you know, uh, seasonal golf course. And we're like, hey, that looks cool, nice and private. We'll just drive down that little road. We'll park down there, and uh, we'll hang out and party. So we uh, we drove down there, um, and um, I was sitting in the passenger seat because my condition was such that I shouldn't be driving, and, and I knew it. And so I let this other guy named Daryl drive. It was my car. And um, two other guys were in the back seat. The car was full of junk. I mean, I, you know, we were, just, you know, I, I was kind of a pig in my car, and I'd throw stuff in the back seat and stuff, you know, like uh, whatever. But um, we were down there hanging out, drinking beer, doing all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the guys in the back seat found a pair of my binoculars. Now, I've always been in optics, and I always had binoculars around. And he found a good pair of binoculars in the back, and he's like, He's looking through the binoculars through the windshield, you know, right out, outside the car, et cetera, right? while we're all just kind of hanging out, listening to Led Zeppelin and all that. And uh, he's sitting in the back of the car, and he's going, guys, 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 there's cops are coming. There's cops coming. And we're like, oh, shut up. No, there's not. You know, and we're a bunch of pranksters, so, of course, you know, we didn't believe him. But at, at – some point I grabbed the binoculars out of his hands and I looked and I go, Oh my gosh, there are cops coming. So of course we brilliantly, you know, in our fantastic drug induced wisdom decided that we were going to, well, you know, pretend like the cops didn't see us and drive right past them and leave. Cause there's only one small little bitty road in and the same one small little bitty road out one way in one way out. So we started the car and started to head up the road to go back to the main drag, even though that we knew that we were going to pass by the cops, because after all, we would we would be able to just wave at them and say, hi, how you doing? I hope, hopefully you're having nice and fun evenings, officers. Uh, so anyway, about the time that we got within, oh, I don't know, 50 yards or so of the police, um their lights all went on, you know. So now we got red and blue lights flashing like crazy. There's about a half a dozen police cars. Of course, they pull us over. And it's kind of hard to imagine, but, you know, if you know anything about doing uh, psychedelics, we were doing that. And uh, red and blue lights flashing will really mess with your head. I'll just leave it at that. So the police promptly said, you know, get out of the car. Put your hands on the hood of the car. So we're all, you know, got our hands on the hood of the car. Now, you have to understand, I, I, I'd i never been gotten in trouble for anything. I mean, nothing. Uh, when I was a teenager, you know, that when the Hummelstown police would pull me over and steal my, uh, uh, we'll just say accessories, <laughs> we knew that they were going to uh, take part in the accessories. But anyway, that's all beside the point. So it, the situation is dire. The lights are flashing. We got a half a dozen Kenosha police. Uh, they had uh, flipped the switch inside their police cruisers, one one of them anyway, uh, to pipe the radio through the PA system so that they were able to monitor the radio while they were doing, you know, while they were in the process of searching the car and getting ready to arrest us. So. You know, I'm kind of freaking out for obvious reasons, um, and I start to speak in tongues. And I mean I am really speaking in tongues, fervently. 
And I'm, I got my hands on the car, and I'm at Korashiti ala bashanda bakuta sasiti ala la bakunda yamasasia shandala bakuta masi. And I'm just praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. All of a sudden, over the PA system of one of the police cars, which again, like I said, was playing the radio, the police band radio for the police to monitor. While two police policemen were going through the junky back seat of my car, thank thank you Jesus, it was junky. And while I was praying in tongues, all of a sudden I hear something like this: All you know, uh, all squad cars respond, uh, you know, uh, for ten fifty nine in progress. All. All, you know, uh, all hands kind of a thing, you know, and it was like, you know, and, and it was, like you know, a big deal. And all of a sudden, all the police, the two that were in the back of the car searching it and all the rest of them, they, they all jumped out of the car. And the police officer in charge comes over and says, it's your lucky day, you punks. Throw all this stuff away and, and, and you know, and, and, you know, whatever, behave yourselves or whatever. And then they all jumped in their police cruisers and they drove away. And I'm standing there in the middle of this dark, tiny little road and blown away by what had just happened because it was impossible. Um, And then, of course, in my ignorance and not even realizing what had happened, um, you know, we were like, wow. What a what a lucky break! And we, you know, got back in the car and headed back up to you know Milwaukee. So anyway, um, but it took me many years of many decades and decades uh, to look back upon that and say to myself, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh." <coughs> Excuse me. Speaking in tongues, even if you're absolutely seeping in sin breaks all the rules blows right past the demons goes straight into the throne room of God like a red phone and it'll get you some instant answers in the most desperate situation it is one of the greatest weapons of prayer power that any Christian can have and I will tell you from spending my whole life in Assembly of God and Pentecostal-like churches, where everybody, almost everybody spoke in tongues, and everybody was baptized in the Holy Spirit, not the funky stuff they do today, but the real baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can tell you that they don't know that. They have absolutely no idea what I just told you. And if it wasn't for that experience happening to me, I wouldn't know it either. All right, so anyway, we'll go back to the white paper. Some prayers appear like smoke that drift along and then they vanish in the air. These prayers come from people that have sin in their lives and they are not willing to deal with it. Their prayers are very weak and they are blown away and disappear in the demonic realm or the air. Another type of prayer is also like smoke. It rises upward until it reaches the rock. It cannot break through the rock, though. These prayers usually come from people who try to purify themselves, but who lack faith as they pray. They usually ignore the other important aspects that are needed when someone prays. 
gee, I wonder what those might be. Let's learn. So the second type of prayer, the smoke rises up. It hits the rock, but it can't break through it. The people obviously lack a little bit of faith. They try to purify themselves. They're missing some of the key aspects of praying properly. That's what this person is explaining. Then he goes on to the third type. The third type of prayer is like smoke that is filled with fire. As it rises upward, it is so hot that when it reaches the rock, the rock begins to melt like wax. It pierces the rock and goes straight through it. Many times as people begin to pray, their prayers look like the first type, a little wisp of smoke. But as they continue praying, their prayers change and become like the second type of prayer, a little bit stronger of smoke heading up toward the rock. And as they continue praying even more, suddenly their prayers ignite into flames. Their prayers become so powerful that they pierce through the rock. Make a note. So little bitty mamby, so here's the takeaway from that one paragraph. Little bitty mamby pamby prayers throughout the day, little prayer here, prayer there, prayer here, prayer there, little you know, just you know, spending five minutes in prayer in the morning and then going to work. You're doing nothing. Okay, I'm just here to tell you, you're doing nothing. Nothing. You might as well not even bother. Unless you're speaking in tongues. All right. So please Embrace that lesson and understand if you do not pray through, there's a high, high level of likelihood your petitions will never be seen by the Father. That's exceedingly important to understand. All right. He goes on to say, many times evil agents would notice that prayers were changing and coming very close to becoming fire. It's the fire of God. That's in Zechariah 2.5, uh, 2, I believe. And I'll verify that for you. Let's see here. Zach 2.5. Zechariah 2. Let's see if this is if I got it right. Because if it's not two five, it's two fifteen. Come on, you hurry up, you little. What are you taking so long for? Huh? It really is taking a long time. I wonder if I made it mad. Hold on a second. Nope, nope. It says, "For I say it, the Lord will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst." There you go. Also, I was uh, shown by the Lord that the. Um, the two witnesses, which are not two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv fighting against uh, Abram's A1 tank for three and a half years. Okay, forget about it. It's not that. When they're sh- the, the metaphor where it says they're shooting fire out of their mouths for the period of the Great Tribulation or whatever, you know, that that all that really means is they're using the holy fire of God as a weapon. All right? Are you with me? Are you following along? Make a note. Praise Jesus, because that's when you start to hit the pinnacle of the, in the the highest point of your prayer life is when you start using the holy fire of God as a weapon against the demonic entities. That that's you're you, you're at the top of your game at that point. All right. 
All right. Many times evil agents would notice that the prayers were changing and coming very close to becoming fire. These agents would then communicate with other spirits on earth and they would tell them, distract that person from prayer. Stop them from praying. Pull them out. All right. Many times Christians yield to these distractions. They are pressing through, repenting, allowing the word to check their spirit. Their faith is growing. Their prayers are becoming more focused. And then the devil notices that their prayers are gaining strength, and the distractions begin. Telephones will ring. Sometimes in the middle of very, very intense prayer, the telephone rings, and you think you can go and answer it and then come back and continue praying. However, when you return, you go back to the beginning. And that's what the devil wants. You don't pick up from where you left. You have to start from scratch. He goes on to say, quote, other kinds of distractions will come your way. They may touch your body. They may bring pain somewhere. They may make you hungry, causing you to want to go to the kitchen and prepare something to eat. As long as they can get you out of that place, they have defeated you. As long as they can get you out of that place where you're pressing through in prayer, the, the demons have defeated you. You lose, they win. That's why I have a silencer application on my phone. That's why I pray early in the morning because I don't even want to hear a bird tweet. And also, I use the holy fire of God. That's how I start my prayer. My, my prayer time is using the holy fire of God as a weapon to create a dynamic whereby these entities don't want to come anywhere near me. Okay? All right, so anyway, it goes on. He said to the pastors, teach the people to set aside some time, not just for some casual praying. They can do that the rest of the day. And by the way, the reason why it works the rest of the day is because once you open up that holy fire and it bursts and melts the firmament of the rock and enters into the throne room, into the glory pillar of God, that, that follows you. And now your casual prayer throughout the day, your casual thanksgiving and praise throughout the day is, goes straight up into the throne room of God, unhindered. Very important to know that. But if you don't break through, nothing doing. He goes on to say, once a day, they should have a time when they are focusing wholeheartedly on God without any distractions. Okay? Really important here, folks. Really important. Do you pray? And if you do pray, do you want to have an answer? Do you want the prayers to be effective? I do. Well, guess what? You got your marching orders. 
He goes on to say, if people persist in this kind of prayer and allow themselves to be inspired in the Spirit and to keep going, something happens in the Spirit. The fire touches the rock and it melts. The man said that when the melting begins, it is so hot that no demon spirit can stand it. No human spirit can stand it. They all flee and they run away. Don't you want that to happen? I do. Oh, I, I, I'm, 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 I, yeah, I'm, I'm brutal to, you know, when the, when the demons said to you know, Jesus, you know, have you come to punish us before our time? I'm like, I tell them straight up, I have come to punish you before your time because greater things than these will I do because our Lord Jesus Christ has gone unto the father. So take that. I hate them. And I mean it. There is one thing we're allowed to hate. And that's the demons and Satan. All right. He goes on to say, There comes an opening in the spiritual realm, the demonic realm. As soon as it appears, all this trouble in prayer stops. The person who is praying on the ground feels like their prayer has suddenly become so smooth, so enjoyable, so powerful and intense. I've discovered that at that moment we normally lose all awareness of time and other things, which is true, actually. Um, That's a time. I, I love that time. And I deeply, deeply dislike having to, you know, stop and go to work, (laughs) but can't control that. All right. Next, he goes on to say, not that that not that we become disorderly. God takes care of our time, but it but it is as if you lay down everything and hook up with God. The man said that when prayers break through. From that moment on, there is no resistance at all, and the person praying can continue as long as he or she wants. There is no resistance to stop them. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that is like hyper cool. Hallelujah. All right, he goes on to say, quote, Then he said that after the person finishes praying, the hole that was, you know, the, that was burned through the firmament of the rock, that hole remains open. He said that when, when people rise from their place of prayer and move on, the open hole moves along with them. They are no longer operating under the blanket of darkness. They are operating under an open heaven. He said that in that state, the devil cannot do what he wants against them. The presence of the Lord is like a pillar from heaven resting on their lives. They are protected, and there is so much power inside that fire pillar that as they move around, the presence touches other people as well. It discerns what the enemy has done in other people. And as they talk to people who are standing with them, they too come inside the pillar. As long as they stay inside the pillar, all the bondages placed on them by the enemy weaken. 
So when people who have experienced this spiritual breakthrough share Jesus Christ with sinners, the sinner's resistance is very low. It is very easy to bring them through to salvation. When they pray for the sick or pray about other things, the presence that is with them makes all the difference. The man said that the devil hates such people. And I can testify to you that that is a fact. As they say, that's the fact, Jack. (laughs) Hallelujah. He goes on to say, he said that in places where prayer regularly breaks through in this way, the presence comes upon that place and does not leave. The people who do who don't know God enter such a pl- uh, the people who don't know God enter such a place, and all their bondages even su- uh, uh, also suddenly weaken. Okay, it goes on. If someone is willing to minister to them with patience and love, they could easily be pulled through to salvation, not by power, not by might, by the Spirit of God, who is present. But he said that if no one bothers to reach out to them, they merely come into his presence, feel convicted, and begin to debate whether or not to yield. If they are not pulled through to salvation when they walk away from that place, their bondages become stronger, and the devil tries to best his best to prevent them from entering such an environment again. He goes on to say, as you can imagine, we all sat staring at that man as he told us these things that he used to do and see. Then he told us what they would do to those who broke through in prayer. He said that they marked such people and they studied them. They marked them and studied them. They would dig up everything they could find about them so they knew their weaknesses. When someone overcame them in prayer and broke through, they would communicate with the other spirit saying, target him with this and that. Target him with this and that. Because they know the person's weaknesses. So when the person walks out of his prayer closet, the spirit of prayer is upon him or her, and then the pre- and the presence is with him. His spirits are high, and the joy of the Lord is his strength. However, When he goes, the enemy tries to bring things that can distract him from focusing on the Lord. If his weakness is in the area of his temper, the enemy will cause people to do things to make him or her angry. If he is not sensitive to the Holy Spirit and he allows himself to lose his temper, he takes his eyes off the Lord. His, he gets angry. He feels furious. Then after a few minutes, he wants to put it behind him and move forward in the joy of the Lord. However, he doesn't feel the joy anymore. He tries to feel good again, but he can't. Why? While he was yielding to the temptation, they were working hard to close the opening above him. Once they have restored the rock, the presence is cut off. The person does not cease being a child of God, but the extra anointing on their life, the presence that worked apart from his own effort, is now cut off. They seek to know the areas of your weaknesses. I won't name any names, but I know that there are people out there listening to this show that need to be hearing this. (laughs) Me too. Okay. Praise Jesus. All right. Goes on to say, if... 
his weaknesses is temptation to commit commit sexual immorality, you know, like watch porn or whatever. The enemy will prepare people or events, something to suddenly arouse his passion to move towards that temptation. If the man yields to the temptation and opens his mind to receive or entertain its thoughts, when he... Uh, when he is through and wants to again move into the anointing, he discovers it is no longer there. You might say, that's not fair. Just remember what the Bible says. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We normally do not understand that, these, uh, th- that the part of these weapons play into the warfare. But remember what Jesus told us to pray toward the end of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. He goes on to say, every time after you have a breakthrough in prayer, remember you are still a weak human being. Remember you have not yet been made perfect. Say to the Lord, quote, Lord, I've enjoyed this time of prayer, but as I walk out into the world, lead me not not into temptation. Don't allow me to walk into the devil's trap. I know the enemy is setting a trap out there. I don't know what form it is going to take. I know that I am still weak in certain areas. Given the right circumstances, I will yield to the temptation. Protect me, Lord. When you see me turning turning the corner where the trap has been set, cause me to turn the other way. Intervene, O Lord. Don't let me move in only my own strength and ability. Deliver me from the evil one. This is this is the recommendation of how this guy thinks, you know, is a good way to pray. Now, I I don't I don't do that uh because I do other things instead. Uh praise God. And I'll share those with you soon. Anyway, it goes on. And and you can adopt your own style. I mean, just think of it as like, I don't know, freestyle, you know, I I mean, martial arts I know has got a lot of demonic things associated, but you can think of it as kind of like freestyle martial arts where you're like you lose you use a little bit of jujitsu, you use a little bit of karate, you use a little bit of this, you use a little bit of that, you mix it all together and and you know, you'll find what works the best for you. I will share with you what I do, at which I also use on the prayer vigil regularly. Um and uh and that's cool and you can adopt it if you want to. I, I recommend that you do, but that's only because I have seen how well it works firsthand. <laughs> okay? But anyway, he goes on to say, God is able to do it. He is able. That is why things happen sometimes. All you need to say is, thank you, Jesus. That is why the Apostle Paul wrote in the book in First Thessalonians, thank God in everything, for that is the will of God in Christ for you. Amen. Some things are not good. They are painful, and we wonder why God allows them. But if we only knew what he is saving us from, we would thank him. We have learned to trust the Lord. We thank him in everything. He goes on and says, Beloved, I do not know if I should go deeper because I don't want to start something I cannot finish. But let me just try to go on one step further. The man said that when prayer breaks through like that, the answer will always come. He did. He said he did not know of a single case in which prayer broke through and the answer did not come. Now, granted, of course, he didn't say it was immediate. He said that the answer always came, but in most cases, it never reached the person who asked for it. Why? The battle in the spiritual realm is why. He said that after they succeeded in cutting off the open heaven and restoring the rock, the demons would watch the person and wait because they knew the answer would definitely come. Just like the answer that was being brought by the angel to give to Daniel 
when the Prince of Persia started to fight him, the you know the angel. Okay, <clears throat> he goes on to say, then the man said something that really shook my faith. He said, it was because of what he shared next that I fasted for 10 days asking the Lord, is this true? Can you prove it to me? The man said that every Christian has an angel who serves them. Now, we know the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits who minister to us. He said that when people pray, the answer comes in the hands of their angel. The angel brings the answer, just like we read in the book of Daniel. Then he said something that was very difficult for me to receive. He said, if the one who prays knows of the spiritual armor and is clothed with it, the answer comes by an angel who is also clothed clothed in the full armor. However, If the one who prays doesn't care about being clothed in the spiritual armor, their angel comes to them without spiritual armor. When the Christians are careless about the kinds of thoughts that enter their minds and do not fight the battle of their minds, the angels come to them without helmets. Whatever spiritual weapon you ignore on earth, your angel does not have it, and when he he serves you, In other words, our spiritual armor is not protecting our physical bodies. It is protecting the spiritual, our spiritual exploits. The man said that as the angel was coming, they would watch him to find the areas that were uncovered, and then they would attack those areas. If he didn't have a helmet, they would shoot at his head. If he didn't have a breastplate, they would shoot at his chest. If they didn't have shoes, they would make uh, they, they would make a fire, causing him to have to walk through fire. Now, I am just repeating what the man said. Actually, we asked him, can angels feel fire? You know what his reply was? Remember that this is the spiritual demonic realm. There are spirits dealing with spirits. The battle is intense. When they overpower an angel of God, the first thing they go after is the answer he is carrying. And then they get it from him. They then give it to people who are involved in cults or witchcraft so that they might say, I got this because of witchcraft. Remember what the Bible says in the book of James, all good things come from God. So where does the devil get the things that he gives to his people? Some people who cannot have children go to witch doctors and Satanists to become pregnant. Who gave them the baby? Is Satan a creator? No, he steals it from those who don't pray through to the end. Jesus said, pray without ceasing. And then he said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Or will he find you still waiting? Or will you have given up the enemy, stolen what you prayed for? Then the man said that they were not satisfied with just stealing the answer to the prayer. They also were interested in detaining the angel. They would start fighting against the angel. And he said that sometimes they would succeed in holding and binding the angel. He said that when that would happen, the Christian on earth becomes a victim as well. They can do anything to that Christian because he is left totally without ministry in the spiritual realm. Did you hear that? I hope you did. 
So for those of you who are like, man, I just am getting so attacked by Satan. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I can't turn around a corner and attacks from Satan. Attacks from devil. The devil's attacking me. Duck, duck, duck. Are you doing all these things or not? He said that when that happens, when they hold your angel captive, the Christian on earth becomes a victim as well, and they, and they the demonic entities, can do anything to the Christian because he, they are left without, they are left totally without ministry in the spiritual realm. He goes on to say, I asked him, do you mean that an angel can be held captive by demonic forces? The man did not know the scriptures at the time he was saying all this. He did not know very many verses. He was just sharing his experience. He said that they could not hold the angel very long because as other Christians prayed elsewhere, reinforcements would come and the angels would go and fr- go, uh, go free. However, if the Christian responsible did not pray through, he remained captive. Then the enemy would send his own angel to them as an angel of light. That is how deception comes. False visions, false prophecies, false leadings, and false guidance in the spirit, and the making of all kinds of wrongful decisions. And many times the person is open to all kinds of attacks and bondages. How many of those people out on YouTube and Facebook and social media that are prophesying in the name of Jesus with tears in their eyes fit into this category? Hmm? How many do you think it is? I would venture a guess that it's the vast majority. Goes on to say, and I asked the Lord, I left that dinner extremely troubled. I said, Lord, I don't want to even try to believe this. It takes away all of my confidence, my security. During the 10 days that I sought the Lord, the Lord did two things. He not only confirmed the things that I heard, he also opened my mind to understand a lot more of what happens in the spiritual realm than the man could, that the man could not tell us. And two... He led me to see what we are supposed to do as the things are happening so that we are not defeated but can overcome. We need to know and uh, and really come to terms with three things. Number one, how to use the weapons of our warfare. The Bible calls them the armor of God. It is not our armor. It is God's armor. When we use it, we allow God to fight on our behalf. Second, Understand the relationship between ministering spirits, angels, and our spiritual lives, and be sensitive to what is happening in our hearts as a leading, uh, as a leading regarding what needs to be done in the spiritual realm on our behalf. In other words, don't let temptation sneak in on you. Don't dork it up because there's a lot at stake. He goes, that brings us to the third thing, the Holy Spirit. We should not regard the Holy Spirit as our servant, who is serving us and bringing us things. He does not run back and forth between us and the Father to to tell him what we need. That is the angel's job. He stands by our side doing what? Guiding us, teaching us, leading us, helping us to pray in the right way. And when things are happening in the spiritual realm, he lets us know. Sometimes he wakes you up in the middle of the night and he says, pray. But you say, no, and my time has not come yet. And he says, pray now. Why? Because he sees what is happening in the spiritual realm. Sometimes he says, fast tomorrow. But you say, oh, no, I'll start on Monday. 
But he, the Holy Spirit, understands what is happening in the spiritual realm. We should learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He guides us in paths of righteousness. Beloved, we've got to stop here. Maybe tomorrow morning we can talk about how we can pray through knowing the battles in the spiritual realm and how we can break through and how we can maintain our breakthrough once we have achieved it. Once we learn this, it becomes enjoyable. Then we will learn one thing. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Let's stand up, look someone in the eye, and think about how many times that person may have missed what God had for them. Join your hands, if you can, with two or three people, and tell each other, there's no need for any more defeat. We can overcome. There's enough power to overcome. Jesus has already finished the work. Pray for each other that the Lord will help us to overcome. We should not lose. There's enough grace and enough power for victory. Thank you, Jesus. All right, and now I have wrapped up the reading of the white paper by John Melindy entitled, uh, How Satan Stops Our Prayers, Combat in the Heavenly Realm. That's the official title. Now we all know that the heavenly, the term heavenly is actually a misnomer. <clears throat> He even says spiritual in, in this white paper. Now, okay, so what I wanted to share with you is kind of – I wanted to tie a little bit of a ribbon on this for you, okay? Maybe put some sprinkles on your vanilla cupcake. I love wedding cake. Why don't they make wedding cake um, like cupcakes? Wouldn't those be awesome, wedding cake cupcakes with sprinkles? That's what, it's a good thing they don't have them at the store because, boy, I'd be like – <laughs> anyway, all right, so in my journey through that period, which many of you have heard me testify about to some extent, where I was under some pretty heavy attack, in fact, my life was at stake, and there was an attempt to murder me in my home. A strongman demon possessing a young woman threw me down the hall, threw me down the stairs, smashed my head into the wall, and then promptly went out to the police cars that were in the front of my house and started to lie to them, telling the police that I tried to kill her. Now, I had a contusion, truly, this, verily, verily, I say unto you, a true contusion on my forehead the size of a softball. It really was that big. It was all yellow and really icky looking in the center and then had purple around the outside. I was dripping blood all over my face. The entity tried to scratch my eyes out and rip my face up, and it was trying to kill me. But by a miracle of God, now I was completely caught off guard and didn't see it coming, which, of course, is a very bad place to be when something like that happens. Now, <clears throat> I was somehow... The entity bit my I, – I type for a living, and the entity bit my finger, one of my typing fingers, and almost completely in half. Um, and all the articles I read on the Internet said that that type of nerve damage is normally not – don't look – they warned me that it was quite common for those types of injuries not to heal properly, which, of course, would have affected my ability to type well, which would have affected my job. But anyway, I'm pretty much torn to shreds at this point, and it was a miracle that I was able to hold down this entity that was controlled 
this this was a very, 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 very powerful demon. Very powerful. In fact, her mother, when her mother came over uh, at, a, at a later date, and it's a long, a big, long story about the state attorney's office and things that I did to try to be Christianly and helpful. But anyway, I won't go into all those details, but even her mother had said to me at one point, did she have supernatural strength? <laughs> I laughed, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but her mom didn't really believe in demons. She, I don't know. I, I can't even understand that kind of stuff. But anyway, whatever. So when I had finally walked out of the house, the sheriff in charge, there were approximately four police cars in the front of the house. So a couple of them pulled one into the driveway, one into the front yard, two of them out in the cul-de-sac. There was an EMT ambulance, you know, with with uh, EMTs in it. When I walked out of the house, the police officer in charge took one look at me, turned over to her and said, put the cuffs on her. And the police turned her around, they cuffed her, and they threw her in the back of the police car. And then, of course, they brought me the paperwork that I had to sit there and fill out while I was bleeding all over the place to make my official statement, which I did. So anyway, the reason why I bring that up is that that started a journey for me that I could never have predicted or anticipated. The journey was pretty bad. It wasn't much longer. It was a, uh, as a matter of fact, once once Satan gets a foothold on you, uh, particularly with a, with that type of an attack through a person who is uh, satanically ritually abused and had disassociative identity disorder and extremely powerful demons ritually uh, injected into them with altars. They are. They can be programmed to be killers, mass murderers, shooters, um, mind control slaves, and that's what this person was programmed to do. And this person was sent to kill me. So evidently, I was upsetting Satan pretty bad. Anyway. <clears throat> So, and then about four or five months later, an individual who I trusted because of relationships that I had with people came to, was recommended to me to help me fix up my house. I had things that I needed to do. My electric bills were breaking past 500 every month. It was insane. And I needed to fix it. I will cut to the punchline. So just a short few months after the attempted murder event, this person who I trusted from another person who was a friend in Christ essentially stole $30,000 from me. It was a very, very traumatic event to go through. I won't go into all the details, but I assure you it was exceedingly traumatic. Um. I still pray for this person to this day. This person left a lot of destruction behind them, but it's my job to pray for them. 
So after having gone through those two events back to back, you know, I tell this to my sisters, you know, I give them this, you know, part, at least part of the testimony and they literally, their, their, their mouths just drop open. They're like, how can anybody go through all that and still survive? You know, how can you be in, intact? And the truth of the matter is that if it wasn't for my prayer methods, which grew, and you might say, well, what do you mean they grew? Well, I'll tell you what I mean. So I, because I was very fortunate and blessed <clears throat> to have been doing the radio show for thousands of shows, and we had brought on folks like Doug Riggs, we had brought on, uh, you know, um, Dr. Preston Bailey, we had brought on uh, Danny Duvall, uh, some of the best satanic ritual abuse specialists in the world, and I knew these people. I knew intimately how satanic ritual abuse worked. I knew unbelievably high level of ultra-advanced details of all – I just knew how it all worked. So I also knew that behind every SRADID victim, particularly those who are programmed for the purpose of killing, stuff like that, they have their own witch covens that control them, okay? Um, and there are witch covens everywhere. I mean, there's as many witch covens out there as there are churches, okay? But anyway, um, oh, there's so many things I could tell you that are so ultra creepy, but I'll I'll spare you. But anyway, I realized that I was in a jam, because I now had witch covens that were coming directly at me. And because I specialized quite a bit in spiritual warfare and SRADID, I knew exactly where I stood. And it wasn't a good place, but I knew where I stood. I knew what was going to happen. I had already by that time read He Came to Set the Captives Free by Rebecca M. Brown, M.D. I had read the book approximately four or five times by that time. Now, I remember when I first read that book, which, by the way, is a pre. You, if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Get it now and read it now as soon as you can. Because if you don't, you are clueless and you are at a great disadvantage, I assure you. The first time I read the book, when Elaine and Rebecca had come up against a witch coven directly, the witch coven was attacking them very heavily. And I thought to myself, because of my Pentecostal Assembly of God upbringing, well, that can't be. Surely that can't be, because I was taught that if they just say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of here, in the name of Jesus Christ, and they rebuke them and cast them out, that that was the end of the game. That's all they needed to do. That's what I was taught, and that's what I believed. So as I was reading the book, He Came to Set the Captives Free by Rebecca M. Brown, M.D., that we almost got on the radio show, but then she passed away and went to heaven. God bless her, sweetheart. (sighs) Then I knew, because... There's a very big difference between 
fighting with demons directly and fighting with a witch coven. When a when a human being invites willingly invites demons, very powerful strong men to enter into them Spiritual warfare takes on a whole nother it's a whole nother world. Because these are humans that have volunteered. They they want the demons to be there. And you can't you can't just say in the name of Jesus I command these demons to leave because it it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. When a person willfully allows and wants the demons to be there, invites them in through ritual and such, that dynamic is very, very different. In that situation, your methods to protect yourselves from their attacks are greatly reduced. You become very vulnerable, and they become very powerful against you. Well, I knew these things. Because of the blessing of the radio show and the people that I've had so much, you know, I've I've had long multi-hour conversations with Danny Duvall in person on the phone. Same thing with, you know, all these guys. Praise God. And I learned a lot. So I knew what I was up against. And I knew I was vulnerable. And I knew because bad things kept happening. I was under attack. I knew I was. And I knew it was coming from witch covens because witch covens control the SRA DID murderers, the you know programmed um, entities, you know the programmed people that you know the people that they program for different purposes, and um, they they're the ones that trigger trigger them, you know they're the ones that make make the call. They're the ones that, you know, Lucifer, Satan goes into their witch coven meetings and he says, I want that Johnny Baptist guy. I want him dead. And then they go to their mind control slaves or S-R-A-D-I-D. And, and, and anyway, and, and then they send them on their mission. But they communicate with an altar and the altar has extremely powerful demons inside. Powerful enough to throw a 300-plus-pound man down the hall, smash his head into the drywall, and rip his flesh up so bad that when I walked out on the porch, like I said, that police officer with absolutely less than a nanosecond of hesitation turned and said, arrest her. Now, since I knew that I was – it was – I just knew the modus operandi. I know how they operate. Well, I knew that I had a witch coven behind that individual that was looking to kill me. Okay? So I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to have to step this game up a lot. Okay? Now, knowing what I knew gave me a lot of advantages. So I went and, uh, you, you know, searched on the Internet. 
I knew about this ministry that's located in South Africa. And let me tell you something. If you want to meet a witch doctor, that's where you want to go. As a matter of fact, there was this one lady, her name was Naomi, and she used to write me emails all the time. She would talk to me all the time, almost every single show, especially after the prayer vigil. And Naomi lived, I think it was Johannesburg in South Africa. And Naomi uh, told me she had a uh, a witch doctor, a, a saintess, living in the apartment above her apartment. And she she would she said that when she would play the prayer vigil, she'd turn it up loud, and she could hear the saintinist in the in the apartment upstairs running back and forth in his apartment screaming at the top of his lungs i'm on fire i'm on fire and that wasn't the only testimony i've received like that regarding the prayer vigil so anyway um i knew i knew i was up against a pretty darn tough situation and I knew that they wanted me to be dead. <laughs> okay. So I knew I had to step my game up to a whole nother level. So I did some searching, went out to Canaan Ministries uh, in South Africa, which is one of the most uh, well-known and skilled satanic ritual abuse deliverance ministries in the world. Spelled K-A-N-A-A-N, something like that. And they have out on the internet. Uh, they have posted publicly now. I don't know what they're, you know, if they're still there or anything, because this is, you know, years and years ago. But they had a. Um, it was called like a prayer. Oh, it was like a satanic ritual abuse prayer manual. And I said, oh, I need to take a look at that. So I downloaded it and printed it out, and I would sit on my prayer chair in my in my you know in my bedroom where I have it, and um, it's just a recliner beside my bed, and um, but it, it is my prayer chair, and it's where I get on my knees and anoint myself with oil, and I I take it very seriously. In the morning time, I will uh, usually be up by about four o'clock a.m. Um, I'll spend some time ministering to people over email and messengers for a while. And then I will, um, you know, take my shower and all that kind of things, vitamins and all that. And then, and then I, um, go, I go into prayer. When I go into prayer, what I do is, and I'm just sharing this with you. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just sharing it with you. It's a testimony. I have an area set up on my bureau. I have, uh, you know, a, I don't know, it's just a long dresser with a mirror on the top. And I have a section of it set up, and it has my golden bowl of forgiveness that the Lord gave me. That's a whole other testimony. Uh, it's all grapes and everything, and it's awesome. And um, it has that there, which I put fresh water in every morning. There's a bottle of uh, Mount Hermon Red by Yarden uh, Wineries, and it is literally wine that is grown, you know, created from grapes from on Mount Hermon in Israel. You can get it from kosherwines.com. But I have a, a, a bottle of Mount Hermon Red there. I have a chalice, which is a, you know, it's a cup for taking communion. I have a little 
crystal dish with uh, matzah in it, broken into pieces, to take communion. And I also have uh, a little. Um, I have this little necklace. It's just it's cheap. It's just a cheap uh, silver necklace with which has uh, the twelve. It has an ephod on it, a miniature ephod, the twelve uh, um, gemstones of Israel, an ephod, little miniature ephod. Because we're a royal priesthood, right? Amen. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. First Peter two nine, right? Amen. So I put that on. It's symbolic. Uh, and I also have from from uh, L-O-J-O-I-L dot com. That's Lion of Judah O-I-L. L-O-J-O-I-L dot com. Lion of Judah Oil dot com. That's Lindy Pierce. We've had her on the show. And you can get her to fill a bottle up with um, – you basically select that you don't want any scent on the oil, and then you got to email her and tell her that you want her to please make you some behind the veil, which is basically the Exodus blend oil that is all-powerful um, right out of Exodus. And it's what the priests use – Used, you know, it's the real deal. She mixes it to the biblical proportions and such. Now, I um, I don't anoint myself directly with it because it'll burn you. It, it's just a lot of lot of, but anyway, uh, but I anoint all the vessels like the priest did in the um, tabernacles, the Levitical priesthood. And I I say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then I touch the Mount Hermon bottle of wine, the chalice. I touch the crystal candy dish that has the broken matzo pieces in it. I touch the, uh, I anoint the um, the ephod necklace, and then I get some more of the Exodus blend holy oil on my finger, and I dip it into the fresh water inside the golden bowl of forgiveness. And I and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, I consecrate these vessels and I consecrate this water to your holiness in Jesus' name. And then I take communion and I basically let Jesus talk to me. So I, I say the words, but Jesus is standing in front of me and he says it to me. So it's it's a very intimate thing and I usually cry during it. And then I pray for two continents. This morning, for example, I prayed over uh, Oceania, which is Papua Al New Guinea, Australia, Tasmania, Solomon Islands, uh, Indonesia, etc. And then I prayed for Asia. I asked, and you know, and and I I do this on the prayer vigil all the time because. It's very, very powerful. And all of it is backed up by Scripture, and I use a lot of Scripture to back everything up. But I do that in the early morning, and then right after that, I blow out the little candle that I light, and then I put down a pillow on on the floor because I'm old. <laughs> you know, And I, uh, you know, I kneel down on the pillow, and I have another pillow that I put on the seat of the prayer chair, and I anoint myself with some other holy, holy oil, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then I go into very intense prayer. Now, 
these are things that I learned over a long period of time. So when I downloaded the, uh, you know, the the SRADID prayer manual book from Canaan Ministries, I sat there and I flipped through it. I said, oh, that's a good prayer. I like that one. Uh, oh, that's a good one. I got it. All right. Mm-hmm. No, no problem there. But as I went through it, you know, I, I found some stuff that was really good, and I started to, to, to put it to work. I started to pray using those words and tactics. And I felt some relief. But then the Lord led me beyond what I had learned in the Canaan Ministries book. And over time, with lots of um, confirmations from the Lord, things that people would say very mysteriously uh, out of the clear blue sky, and I was like, okay, this is obviously God speaking to me. But anyway... Um, I realized that I that the best way to pray was to use the holy fire of God as your weapon. Why do all the other stuff? Why not just go to the most? You know, you heard what that Satanist said about when the when when the prayers turn to fire, what happens? All the demons and the the humans astral projecting, serving Satan, they they scatter. It horrifies them. Horrifies them. And I thought, well, golly, why don't I just use that as a weapon against them? Why don't I make that the centerpiece of my prayer tactics? Why not just go for the gusto? If you know that you have a weapon that is absolutely horrifically feared by the darkness, why wouldn't you just use it against them? Cut right to the chase. And that's what I started to do. So what I did was I took the best prayer sequence that I found in the Canaan manual, but I changed it. And I started to use the holy fire of God instead of the other tactics that were in the prayer that was published. When I started to do that, I immediately started to see noteworthy change. It was very noticeable. Now, did that mean that I had overcome all of my human tendencies? Did it mean that um, I didn't still get depressed? Did it mean that I didn't uh, lose my temper, Uh, sometimes get really frustrated, get really upset with my life situation or whatever the case is? And, you know, my my toughest thing in the in the in the Galatians five, what is it, 520, uh, the uh, the. um, um, You know, the the uh, these things, uh, it's it's the uh, let me pull it up. I'll just go ahead and read it. Hopefully my thing won't lock up on me. So it's Galatians, Galatians 5.20. There we go. Coming right up, hopefully. I don't know why. It's, for as fast as this computer is, I, it sure does take its sweet old time to go to the verse. I'm going to have to look into that. But anyway, it's the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, I'm going to just do it from memory because it's taking too long. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is 
incredible patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Self-control was my arch enemy because I'm a very emotional person by my nature. Now, I can control myself really well in front of, you know, executive leadership teams and billion-dollar companies and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, when that meeting's over, oh, man, I'll, you know, I'll vent. I'm like Papacata Petal. (laughs) So anyway, but I knew that it was time to turn it up. So what I did was I decided I was going to use the fire of God as my weapon. So, knowing what I knew from reading the Canaan manual and all that other, and all the other experiences that I had, I changed my prayer tactic to once again use the holy fire of God as the my primary weapon, and I start out I don't even go in. I mean, this is after I've taken communion and all that kind of stuff and pray, and after I've prayed for the different parts of the world uh, and for the angels to come upon them in dreams and visions of the night and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> to save souls. Now, all that being said, the first when I get on my knees and I anoint myself with oil, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I start out immediately and I say, In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I decree the holy fire of God to surround around about me a thorny hedge of protection in Jesus' name. I declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, at the very moment that they set their wills against me, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God, and it shall stick to them like white, hot, sticky napalm, and they shall run and scream in horrific agony. I decree in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that any earthly or spiritual weapon raised against me shall be vaporized by the fire of God. That any fiery dart that is launched against me shall be vaporized by the fire of God. That any contract that is a demonic contract, any demonic agreement shall be vaporized by the holy fire of God. And the demons of darkness that attempted to come against me with them shall be vaporized. They shall be struck by the fire of God in Jesus' name. And angels will place them under arrest, strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, and cast them into the abyss. I declare the abyss to be sealed and welded shut by the fire of God. And I plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. When I started praying like that, it all stopped. (laughs) It was like all these entities that were obviously coming against me, all this stuff I was going through, it just stopped. And I knew how effective it was. And um, at that point, I was like, well, I was... It's totally sold. I knew that I had hit – for me, it was the perfect place. It was the place I needed to be, and it was the place that I needed to stay in my prayer life. Again, it didn't make me perfect. It didn't make me not get upset you know, with situations at work and all that other stuff. It didn't prevent me from getting depressed because things would get really, really bad at work. I still had my human foibles. 
that I had to deal with a lot, and I'm still dealing with some, but I'm getting better all the time. Once I shifted gears and I started praising Jesus, knowing that he was going to eventually answer my prayers, even though I was still having a hard time with certain behaviors, I just praised him and I said, I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus, because I know you're going to come through and I know that it's going to get less and it's going to get less and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better. I praise you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. And I just praised and praised and praised and thanked him and praised him and thanked him and praised him and thanked him and praised him and thanked him. And boy, did I mean it. I printed out scriptures, Mark 11:23, John 14, 12, 13 and 14. I wrote them by hand. I laminated them and I carry them in my pocket everywhere I go. And if I reach into my pocket, and I don't feel those little prayer cards in my pocket. I flip out. I'm like, oh no, where are they? Where are they? The other day, I, ta- I you know, sometimes I got to change. I always wear my tropical shirts, you know. But if I got to get on a call with a client, you know, like a business shirt, real quick. And uh, the the little my little cards fell out of my pocket, and I was like, I went into a heated panic. <laughs> I was like pulling the chairs out. I'm like, where do they go? Getting out a flashlight. I gotta find them. Now, I know I can recreate them, but I like I want them. I I they're treasures to me. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. Not only should we memorize it, but we should use it in our prayers. Because it is the sword of the spirit. It's a weapon. I use the word of God and the scriptures that I've memorized against the demons. Against the witch covens. At the very moment that they set their wills against me, the very second, the nanosecond that they even begin to set their will against me, they are struck directly by the fire of God. And let me tell you something. That ends their party right right then and there. They're done. They're running for their lives. It says, uh, what the scripture is, uh, Colossians 2.15, it says, having, having disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them. Well, that was Jesus on the cross. How would Jesus make a public, first off, he disarmed principalities and powers through the cross. Do you want the principalities and powers that are going to try to kill you? to be disarmed or not. I do. I hope you do too. So, because I know Colossians 2.15, and I know what it means in Matthew 18.18, where it says, that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven, that which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven, which means that we operate in the courts of heaven while we're praying on earth. We can't see it, but we are. Loosing and binding are contractual terms. They have to do with the courtrooms in heaven. You bind a contract and you loose clauses in the contract. So I use Colossians two fifteen or uh, yeah, uh, I believe it's Colossians two fifteen against them. I quote the scriptures against them. Specifically because they are the sword of the Spirit. Specifically because I want to make sure I punish them so bad that they fear me and Jesus more than they fear Satan. 
If you can get your prayer life so strong and effective that the entities of darkness that want to kill you fear you and the power of Christ through you more than they fear Satan himself, not only have you won the battle, but you're going to win the war. That is the very, the utmost, and the most awesome place of power that any Christian can come to. It is the point where you can call down heaven's resources, heaven's power, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth, and there isn't nothing that's going to stand in your way. Hallelujah. But you have to understand all this stuff that we talked about tonight. How Satan and these entities of darkness and these demons and these astral projecting workers of Satan, remember, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and the entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch covenant, the moment that they set their wills against me, I declare the holy fire of God to strike them and to strike them in the horrific agony, making a public spectacle of them amidst the demons of darkness. Scatter the darkness in all directions. Use that fire of God against the spiritual and earthly weapons. Use it against the fiery darts. Vaporize the, the contracts that they've signed against you. Vaporize the demonic agreements that they've uh, uh, and then Call down the fire of God to burn them in the screaming agony, cast them into the pit, weld the pit shut, and plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. Be done with them. And I implore you to understand this. This stuff is real. These are not the musings of some, you know, nutbag I mean, I don't, I don't deny being a nutbag, okay? But I will say this. This is real-life testimony. This is stuff that I went through personally. And I am testifying before you that I have received unbelievable confirmations. I had a conversation with one young woman that uh, on the telephone who had been taken. She was similar to Elena in a lot of ways, actually knew Elena very well. And um, she had been taken into the spiritual realm, you know, that, that the air, the darkness, and she was able to see and watch the, 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 the warfare taking place. All the stuff that this guy in this white paper was talking about. And she told me, she goes, oh, yeah, no, I know you're right. I've seen it. I was there. So I know that I know that I know that I know. And when, by the way, just so you're aware of this, a lot of people aren't. When you pray like this or like, you know, we've been talking about tonight, when you pray like that out of faith, your weaponry in the spiritual demonic realm is hundreds of times more powerful than any of the other weaponry that is used there. Because you're doing it out of faith, it is God's will that your weaponry be many times more powerful than the demons, the astral-projecting workers of Satan, and so your your weaponry is way more powerful than theirs is. And they are horrified. 
I want those demons to scream in agony. I want them to be so horrifically scared uh, to set their will against me that they don't even, they're, they're just like, no, forget it, forget it, not that guy, forget it, forget it, leave him alone. And that is a, we'll just call it a kind of like a short version of a testimony that if I had given you all of the details, would have taken me another three hours. So that's the super short version of a very true, detailed, and powerful testimony along with this white paper and along with my own personal journey and where the Lord brought me to in how to pray so that these entities would leave me alone because I'm going to punish them, and they know it. And I won't quit. And by the way, you're going to earn some purple hearts and a couple of silver stars on the way. Because they don't like you when you know this stuff. But you're protected as long as you don't let your guard down. Praise his name. Anyway, thank you all for joining us tonight. How Satan stops our prayers combat in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Get yourself a copy of the paper. It's out on the Internet. Type how Satan stops our prayers combat in the heavenly realm. Type the word or the letters PDF. Hit enter and you will find it out there. Highly recommend that you read it more than once. I highly recommend that you put these things into practice in your life. You will change your life and you will bring enemy that is attacking you, your loved ones, and all aspects of your life, 24 by 7, whether you see it or not. Hallelujah. Take the victory and the power that Jesus Christ gave you through his blood and use it against the enemy and make them regret what they try to do to you because they're trying to kill you every single day of your life, whether you see it or not. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight is Wednesday, September the 14th on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. We'll see you at the prayer vigil at 7 p.m. This Friday, Lord willing, God bless you all. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise His holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will Your coming be? When will Your trumpet sound for me? For You, we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our minds. Renew our soul, remove the scars from our past, and deem us righteous. 
we rebuke all deceptive lies. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.